As always, Speedy Dan Petey, or we could call him Insurge Petey. And no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you insurging? Well, there are a lot of things he's insurging. It's just uh, a lot of different things. We, we can't talk about it on live radio. Oh, right. I'm sorry. And on the other side of the board, Mr. Tyler Mothball Harrison. Yes. See, he gives himself a cool nickname. You get a decent nickname, and I get Mothball. You're a Mothball. You know, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 we have a great show lined up for you guys today. Uh, At 9.30, we'll be talking to pro football focus NFL reporter Doug Hyde. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it's like Hyde with a K. And at 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to the athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer Mo Dakiel. Yeah, two for two. Well, look at that. I'm I'm pretty good with the names tonight. I I mean, I'm definitely not. It looks like uh, Mike White is finger. It's not his wrist. It's his finger. Uh, that could be broken. They're definitely going to have to go and test it. And I know my friend Eric is actually sending me text messages that this <laughs> of team, course he is. this team is absolutely. Uh, w- what's the best word of saying that? Jinxed, and and that's yeah. why Mike White got hurt. And and honestly, Mike White's played well. We don't know what's wrong. He could be. It could be a sprained finger. We don't know what it is. It, it really doesn't matter because as a Jet fan, you don't want to see your team win. Okay, because right now the Jets aren't going anywhere. They're not winning the division. They're not they're really not doing anything. So the thought in your mind as a Jet fan is you don't want them to win because you want them to have a high pick. You're hoping that Seattle uh loses out or loses as many games as they possibly can before Russell Wilson comes back because you want a pick. All right, who do we got, Speedy? Do we have somebody? Like no. You keep putting your finger. Why no. did you put your fingers up or your your hand up like you have? No, I was doing. I, I was sitting my computer. Well, good. Uh, I mean, put your hands down. How's that sound? But all the way down. As a Jet fan, you you can't really sit here and say, "Oh, I, I want to see this team win." I, I I want this team to play well, obviously. And having Mike White over any other backup quarterback, it looks like Mike White is a player, but. I don't want to see them win as many games, and I don't want to see Mike White score, throw 500 yards and win the game tonight like he did last week against the Bengals. But uh, losing him 
uh, for a significant amount of time. This does hurt. So, uh, obviously, losing Mike White, he was the talk of the town. Uh, he threw 100 yards in the first quarter of this game. Uh, he was on his way to throw another 400 yards. I, I mean, losing him uh, for the rest of this game does affect, as a Jet fan, uh, the New York Jets. But, uh, anyways, again, we, we have a great show lined up for you. Speedy, what are we going to be talking about today? So the Jets and the Colts playing tonight right now. It's the Colts 14-7. I know you, yesterday you guys wanted to get into Michael Thomas now being out for the season. and uh, well, He's more than out for the season. Uh, I was going to say, you were hinting at something yesterday that you think he could be out of New Orleans, which there were trade rumors last year about that. I told that. you guys months ago that he was never going to play another game in New Orleans. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into our picks week nine. We're going to get into the college football playoff rankings. And Jack Eichel traded to the Vegas Gold. I will say this, and and I know you keep saying that Michael Thomas will never play a game with the the Saints. It probably won't now, but if Jameis Winston didn't tear his ACL, I say as soon as Jameis Winston is out for the season, Michael Thomas comes out and reports that he's not coming back. I I really believe that Michael Thomas was going to play this year, but because of the injury uh, with Jameis Winston, I think he knows that this team is done. And there's no chance for this team to to go further in the playoffs if they even have a chance to make the playoffs. So uh, it, it's to me when when you think of the big picture, you know. And we're going to get into week nine picks. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later in the show after our, our guests. Um, I, I I definitely want to hear your opinions on some of the games because there are a lot of important games this week, which could. Uh, absolutely affect who's going to make the playoffs and and where these divisions are going to start to move forward with. I mean, obviously, um, Tennessee losing Derrick Henry is a big loss. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they brought in Mr. Old Man, Adrian Peterson. Uh, Is it going to make a difference that AP is playing over Derrick Henry? Probably not. This isn't the same AP we remember. But um, I I do believe he's going to play decent. And... Uh, that's why the beef picked him up. I'm not surprised that he picked him up in in his in his um in his league. But nevertheless, I I, I I'm looking at the Jets right now, and I I think the game is over. If if Mike White doesn't come back in this game, this game is over. And I I think this could be a complete blowout. Uh, you know, Mike White took the 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 ball all the way down the field, passed it to Elijah Moore. I can't see the Jets winning this game if Mike White doesn't return in this game. Now, if I were the Jets right now, being that they're not on the field, the offense isn't on the field, I would take Mike White into the back and see if there's x-rays, x-rays show that he didn't break his finger or he didn't break his wrist. If he didn't break his finger, and and x-rays only take 5, 10 minutes to do. If he didn't break his finger or his wrist, he can come back into the game. I don't know why he's sitting on the bench right now. So Hmm. uh, it, it makes absolutely no sense, but... Nevertheless, this game I thought was going to be very close uh, if Mike White was playing. I expected Mike White to come out strong. I, I don't like the Colts' defense. I don't. Their front seven is good. Their secondary is iffy. Uh, they don't really have a number one uh, corner on this team, and their safeties are young. So, or edge rusher. <laughs> yeah, so I, I expected the Jets to actually – I thought this was going to be a high-scoring game, and I thought the Jets were going to be able to keep up uh, with this Colts uh, team. But now that – Obviously, Mike White is out, um, and, and and that interception or the drop or the fumble, uh, I think this is going to cost the Jets an opportunity to uh, get back into this game. And I, I think uh, the Colts just dropped the ball. Uh, no, it was a catch and a fumble, but the Colts landed on it. 
But, uh, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts? I, I mean, looking at the Jets right now, the Jets played a fantastic game last week. Uh, Mike White has been the talk of the town, talk of New York. I'm not surprised. We've we've seen this before with the Knicks, Jeremy Lin, if everybody remembers hey. it. Lin Sanity. Greatest two months in recent What are we going to call it? We'll call this White Sanity, okay? White uh, Sanity. I don't know if we can call it that. Why not? I don't know. Somebody's going to have a problem with it. What? White Sanity? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is it going to be white? It's his last name. <laughs> you never know. People are sensitive. Well, <laughs> tell him to be uh, unsensitive and tell him to kiss your royal, royal little ass. How's that sound? Or right. your bald little head. What do you think? But what do you what do you think about the Jets and, and the Colts game? You don't speak much, obviously, and you like to sigh and huff and puff and don't say much of anything. Uh, what I, I going into this game? Going going into this game, Tyler. What 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 are your thoughts in going into this game? Did you think the Jets had a chance? No, I did not think the Jets had a chance. But honestly, this is the best thing that could happen to the Jets. Uh, as you said, you want to lose as many games as possible. And uh, you're hoping Russell Wilson takes longer to come back, even though we'll probably be back next week, just so you can get better draft picks. And uh, the Colts aren't even trying to run up the – they're literally just controlling the clock, trying to get this game to be over with. Well, they said they were going to run the ball a lot in this game. They didn't run the ball enough against Tennessee. Uh, Carlson Wentz threw it over 50 times. I don't expect Carlson Wentz to throw it 50 times tonight. I expect they're going to use a lot of Taylor and a lot of Hines and try to run the clock out. This is how you beat the Jets. I mean, if you if you watch, even when they play Tennessee, you watch all the teams, even the Bengals, when they started running the ball with Mixon uh, and controlling the clock, it kept White off the field. It kept the offense off the field. And that's how you beat the Jets because right now, uh, even though the Jets have played well, and, and since C.J. Mosley has come back from his little small injury, uh, this defense has played a lot better. Marcus May coming back, this defense has played a little bit better. Um, but I, I don't think that this team all around is a dominant defense. I think their secondary— Jets just got the ball. I'm sorry, they got the ball? Well, congratulations to them. <laughs> Uh, hopefully Mike White gets back into this game and makes this a fun game to watch instead of a boring one when we're watching other people throw the ball because I, I, I'm surprised Joe Flacco is not coming. Is he not ready? Yeah, he said he wasn't interested as active, which was weird, yeah. They make the trade. They gave up a six-round draft pick for Joe Flacco, and he's still not on the bench. This is a, this is a guy that's won a Super Bowl. This well, is a guy— Coach, uh, keep him in possession. Are uh, they keeping the possession? They must have stopped forward progress before the fumble. Uh, definitely have to look at the look at the, the the clock or look at the the video on that. But nevertheless, I don't uh, know if you could overturn forward progress. Not the though. clock, the video. But I, whatever, Speedy. I don't care. How's that, Speedy? I, I I don't care about the rules and your rules and the NFL rules. The fact is. Uh, the New York Jets, they have not a chance in hell in this game if they don't have Mike White back in the game. So it doesn't matter if they get the ball back because Johnson's going to come into the game and he's going to do something stupid again. <laughs> He'll probably run backwards into the end zone and get a safety. You know, I, I mean, honestly. <laughs> well, I, about about six, six, <laughs> I mean, oh, if you Dan look Orlovsky. at the Jets right now, if you look at the Jets right now. But that play got him a job at ESPN, so what are you if they If they win this game and they go 3-5, and five, does it really make a difference? Yes. No, it doesn't. Yes, you don't want that to happen. As a Jet fan, you don't want it to happen. Right. But as as in uh, – actually, a lot of Jet fans would probably want the Jets to win. They, they would want to see the Jets compete every single For game. What? Well, well, because you want to see your team win. You don't want to see your team lose every single game. But, all right, so you're 2-5. and five. Let's just say, by the grace of God, you somehow win this football game and you become 3-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Outside of Miami, 
you're really not competing with the Bills or the Patriots for that second or division title, right? Like, you're clearly going to finish third mm-hmm. or last, depending on how you guys end the year. Mm-hmm. So why, what are you winning for? You know what I mean? Like, you want the better draft pick. Then that's, I, everyone's going to go, well, you play to win the game. And, yeah, that's 100% right. But as a fan, you understand that your team is in position to do something. You're not a borderline playoff team. You're not the Broncos. You're not who's another team on the teeter. The Chargers. Broncos. The Broncos aren't making the playoffs. Look at the division. No, but they ran. were four and zero, and everyone was like, "Oh, this team." They were three and zero. They were three and zero. They lost four straight, and then they just won last week. Okay, so they were three and zero. Sorry, I thought they lost four in a row. So now that you're four, they didn't four, lose three, three straight. They lost two straight. No, they're uh, they're they're five hundred. Yeah, they're four they, and four. They lost. Yes, they won. They three. lost two straight. Then they won, and then they lost. Doesn't matter. So either way, like you're not on the cusp of being a playoff team. You're not the Browns or the Steelers. You're clearly not doing anything right now. So build for next year. Well, right? they've been building for next year every single year, really, for the last 25 years. I mean, you can't build for next year. And you you want your team to win as many games as you possibly can. And if the Jets have a chance to win the game as a fan, you want to see them win. Okay? and And right now... Uh, with Mike White, they had the best chance to win. Now, if Johnson is playing, there's no way in hell they're going to win. Uh, I would start using their young players and play their young players and see what you got. That's what I would I would see. And now now it's 21-7. to 7. So if Mike White doesn't come back, this game is over. So it, it, it to me, and by the way, Speedy, who'd you pick in this game? I had the Jets. I had the Jets, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I had the Jets on the— I thought the short week would help them. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think the Jets were going to win the game. I think the Jets— uh, uh, obviously, the uh, the Colts had the points, uh, I think 10. Mm-hmm. If they win by 10, I, I thought that they weren't going to win by 10. Oh, I thought they were going to win outright. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the short week was going to help them. The Colts, like you were saying, their, their defense has been leaky this year. I thought that was a good matchup for the Jets. Well, this is an important game for the Colts, and especially with Tennessee mm-hmm. losing Derrick Henry. So they could go on a losing streak. I mean, Tennessee could go lose two games. And if the Colts win two games, I mean, they're back in this race. Right. In the, the division. Old, yeah, the big, the big problem, though, is they already swept them head-to-head. So if it comes down to a tiebreaker, if, let's say, both teams are, say, 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven at the end of the year, then the Titans would still have it. But the, the Colts, if they could steal some games that they shouldn't have, because they both have pretty easy schedules. But if Derrick Henry really matters that much in terms of the team value, because we haven't seen it without Derrick Henry, because he's never hurt, so... How will the passing game that's supposed to be good adjust is going to be a big question because the Colts are that same kind of team. A running game, if they're if it's taken out, they're not the same. We saw that in the beginning of the season with Jonathan Taylor struggling the first three weeks, and now he's playing like he should like he should be. So will that same thing happen with the Titans is going to make a difference in that division. In terms of the, them actually making doing well in the playoffs, that's not going to happen anymore. As far as Michael Thomas is, is concerned, I don't know what is going to happen, Michael Thomas. I'm not surprised he decided to sit out for the season. It does hurt me in my fantasy league, in two of my fantasy leagues, because I did draft him late in both of them. I thought he was going to play. Why? If if he does play, he's a big part of my offense. But uh, obviously he decided to sit out for the rest of the season. I think it has a lot to do with Jameis Winston uh, tearing his ACL. And, And Jameis Winston's career, as far as the starting quarterback for the Saints, could be over as well. Because I believe... I, I think it's over because I think the Saints are going to draft a quarterback one way or another this year, um, or they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike White keeps playing the way he is. Uh, he could be a guy that uh, uh, Peyton could be interested in, a guy that could stand in the pocket and make every single throw. 
and uh, actually help you win games. I mean, accuracy. The Saints are going to need to find something affordable, too, because they have a yeah, lot of money he's, issues. Yeah, he's cheap. He's cheap. And, and there's a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of – like, obviously, uh, Tyrod Taylor, who's always available. Right. He's a guy that could well, be – Houston's done with him, that's for sure. Well, well yeah. Tyrod Taylor is going to be available in the offseason. There are other quarterbacks that might be. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater might be. I, I, obviously, with obvi- uh, uh, the obviously thought that uh, Aaron Rodgers could be heading over there uh, at the end of the season. So there's a lot of opportunity. And also Drew Locke. Forget, uh, say whatever you want. Drew I like Locke, Drew Locke. Drew Locke is still a I young like quarterback. Um, I Josh see, Rosen. I, I, I wouldn't mind either. I can oh, see Rosen's Mar- on the Falcons. Marcus now. Mariota, I'm, I'm, who also signed a one-year deal with the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. A lot, he played very well when he took over for Derek Carr. He's another guy that could be available mm-hmm. as a fill-in. I, I do believe that there are certain teams, and I could see the Saints drafting a quarterback, even though this is not a quarterback class. If there's somebody that stands out in the second or third round. Don't forget they have Ian Book, too. I'm sorry? Ian Book. Ian Book. I wouldn't trust much of Ian Book. No. He's a very basic quarterback at best. Well, uh, you're, you're, you're we've trusting... seen basic quarterbacks do some pretty yeah, basic but that, things. but that's at best. So you're, it's not like you're dealing with a lot of upside either. It's going to be very interesting in the offseason because there, even though a lot of people think that there aren't teams that need quarterbacks, there's quite a few if you look at the list. Yeah. And there's always going to be new ones one. that become available too. It's the way the league is now. And it doesn't seem like uh, Deshaun Watson's going anywhere until this uh, – Situation that he has going on over there uh, in uh, Texas. Carl says Garoppolo too. Maybe Garoppolo will be available. I, I do. I, because... I would love Jimmy G in New Orleans. I don't know why everyone keeps shitting on Jimmy G, but it's got to stop. The guy, the guy's a good quarterback. Well, he's not going to the Patriots because now Mac Jones has proven that he right. he could play and he could play in that offense. So. I, I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo will be available in the offseason. The Saints are definitely a team that he can link with. There's many teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback. Don't don't get it twisted. A rookie quarterback, as you see this year, the rookie quarterbacks have not played well. Justin Fields hasn't played well. Trevor Lawrence hasn't played well. well that's not Zach really Wilson Justin hasn't Fields played well. I'm, I'm just telling no, you, the rookie no, quarterbacks, it takes three years for these quarterbacks to develop. So it's not that easy. And by the way, I don't think White is coming back tonight. So... Um, uh, unless unless they uh, they find that his X ray and I, Speedy, look up what's going on right now with White. If if they found out what, if there's something wrong with him, Michael but, Carter ran out of his shoes. Yeah, well, that's Michael Carter played very well last week, and I think he could be a very big asset for this running game as the see you know as the season progresses and, and going into next year. But I, I mean, you look at you look at the Buccaneers that you know Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady is there. I know he says he wants to play at least another year. But if he wins another Super Bowl this year, is Tom Brady coming back? Yes. I, I don't believe it. I, I don't. Uh, questionable return with a forearm injury. A forearm injury. There he is right NFL. there. NFL.com. Well, they probably sprained his forearm, and he's probably, he can't grab onto the ball. When you, right. If when it's you, your throwing arm, it's going to be very hard to grip it with one hand. And even catching the snap could be hard, too, like that. So The real problem is it's his throwing hand. Well, it, yeah, right. It seems like it's numb. Uh, he keeps pointing to his finger. Which means it's a nerve situation, so he's probably not going to come back because he can't grip the ball. Uh, he'll probably play next week. I mean, something like that. Sure. Uh, you, you know, you get the the right therapy, you'll be ready to play next week. Yeah, long week. week too, you know, so, so I, I I don't think this is long term. He didn't break his forearm. Uh, he didn't break. Uh, obviously, now he could have pulled a muscle in his forearm, mm-hmm. which could cause it could cause him to be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, honestly, it doesn't really matter because. Uh, uh, again, Zach Wilson will probably be back in three weeks. 
He, he probably will be. I we I keep. I know you, you keep saying that Zach Wilson. They're not going to do that. Okay, but they, they got to not see, play Zach Wilson. They're going to play him. They, you're not going to. You want? What are you going to waste another year? Another year next year. You're not wasting another year, though. Yeah, because you're going to go into the season next year uh, again with a bunch of new players, and Zach Wilson still doesn't understand the offense. So you need to play. So him. you want to get him killed now? I, I don't think he's going to get. But killed. the offensive linemen, a lot of the injured ones, are going to come back. Yes, so, Makai so. Beckham's coming back probably in a week or two. Plus, they just traded for Tardif. Too, Tardif so. is a really good offensive lineman. Once he gets lineman. used to that system, he'll be better too. I, I don't think Wilson's going to play a, a massive amount, but he has to play at least some to grow chemistry. Yeah, and, and by the way, Wilson will be back in three weeks. And no matter who the quarterback is, Mike White could be playing well. They're they're going to start Wilson. That, that's what they're going to do. He is the quarterback of the future. He's sure. the guy that they're going to put all the reins on. And that was a good catch, by the way, by Over Croft. Darius Leonard, too. Uh, and, and, and Croft has played well since the Jets have brought Very, him in. He was an underrated guy his whole career. Yeah, well, he came for Buffalo, and I'm surprised Buffalo didn't resign him. Uh, uh, very surprising, because Buffalo's tight end position this year has not been good. Dawson right. Knox has been great. Nah, he's hurt, though. So. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean, Knox? He, he's played he played well games? before he got hurt. He played two games. Yeah, but he, he, he's he now going to be more. out he at played least. played a lot. He played, he, the played first, he played the first, I think, five weeks, but now he's been missed the last three, and I think he's going to miss two, at least two more. So they're going to be with, I think, it's like Tommy Sweeney You're or crazy. something. You think yeah. he's playing Sunday? Who? Knox? Knox? I, I heard he was going to miss two more weeks. No, he's practicing. He's going to play Sunday. Uh, he's a very big Carl says he pick- like uh, he like. Why don't you read what people are writing, Speedy? I mean, what are you doing over there? Uh, Carl says I love the Colts linebacker Bobby Okariki. Yes, Snug the rookie. Says, yes, yes. Snug says I love the Colts. Ursay got caught with a huge bag of pills, and he didn't really get into much trouble. Jimmy G, to the, Jimmy G to the Buccaneers. Odds are they're not going to be able to afford that. Tom um, Brady's not retiring. Tom Brady likes to play football. It has nothing to do with. Well, again, if Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl, I, I don't know if he's going to come back. It, it, it doesn't make any sense why he would come back if he wins back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, I think Tom Brady doesn't want to spend time with his family. There's no reason uh, to come back if he wins another Super Bowl. I don't – now Croft is hurt. Uh, I, I, is he hurt? Did he get hurt? I, I don't even know. So I don't know. I didn't see him get I hurt. I wasn't paying attention. And I – listen, the Jets are <laughs> – the Jets aren't going to stay 100% healthy this year. and They never do. They don't. And, and that's been a big problem is health with the New York Jets. Right? But, again. The Jets and Mets, they're jinxed. I don't think. Well, jinxed. no, the, I wouldn't say the Jets are as bad as the Mets are when it comes to injuries. The Mets are the most injury-prone team in all of sports. No, but the, the Jets normally just do the wrong thing. But when they do the right thing, they normally get hurt. Well, yeah, but the the Mets could have a guy that was durable his whole career, and then he comes to the Mets, he'll get hurt. The only exception to that rule so far, at least in my time watching, has been Wilson Ramos, who was normally injury-prone with the Nationals, actually stayed relatively healthy with the Mets. He just did not play well there, like he did with the Nationals. So, I mean, as a Jet fan, you could sit back and say, this could be, uh, came off the field in pain. Yeah, and listen, every player, every single play these guys come off the field and they're hurting, but... I, as a Jet fan, I, you don't want to see Mike White hurt. You don't because you you want him to play. You want him to to get on the field. You want to see what he has. You want to see what he's all about. But as a Jet fan, you don't want to see him, uh, you know, kind of take over New York and and be the storyline because if he becomes the storyline, it's going to be very very hard to take him off the field when Zach Wilson comes back, and you don't want to see that because no matter what the any way you look at it. Zach Wilson is the future of this team and this organization. It's not going to be Mike White. 
Mike White is going to be a good backup. He's and honestly, they'll probably keep Mike White no matter what now as the backup quarterback mm-hmm. for the new. And they'll yeah. probably pay him right. in the off season to be the backup of Zach Wilson because if Zach Wilson does not play well and Zach Wilson again starts the season a little bit slow, they're going to bring White Mike White early in the season next year and he will be starting. So and and, and that's that's with football you need a, an eligible top end. Backup. And there's only like three or four of them in the NFL. Right. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been a backup his whole career. I think he's the best backup in yeah, the NFL. I would say so. At least okay. at least for at least the first half of the season. And Geno Smith, believe it or not, was the highest paid Calm down. backup quarterback. He is the highest no, paid no, backup I quarterback. Yeah, he's the best he, he's making four and a half million dollars. <laughs> hey, I mean Geno Smith's finally helping the Jets out. <laughs> yes. So I mean, if you look at the big picture and you look at where the Jets are. Uh, nevertheless, if, if Zach Wilson starts next year, he starts the rest of this year, Mike White will back him up. And if, if Zach Wilson isn't playing well, and, and now that they know that he is eligibly good enough to take over this offense, they're going to take Zach Wilson out. They're not going to do, they're not going to sit him in if he throws four interceptions in a game and say, hey, you know what? We're going to keep him in. He's going to throw another four. They're not going to do that. And if you look at the quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence one time this year has thrown three interceptions in a game. Zach Wilson has thrown four interceptions in a game. And Justin Fields broke a record and threw five interceptions in a game. And these are the three quarterbacks that a lot of people believe is the future of the NFL. Well, they finally tried to get Mims involved. Well, there you go. Anyways, uh, when we we come back, we will be talking to pro football-focused NFL reporter Doug Kide here. On the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host on the board, Speedy Campini and Tyler Mothball Harrison. You can call us at 631 631- 672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we have two very prestige guests, and this is our first one. We are now talking to pro football focus NFL reporter Doug Kai. What's going on, Doug? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Well, we're not dancing. I mean, Tyler can't dance. I mean, That's he's losing the, yes, his I hair. Can dance. He's losing his hair. I, can dance. I mean, you could dance. I can dance. What could you dance to? You like Whatever, disco anything. music? What? Could you dance to disco music? No one from our generation, my generation, likes disco music. Are you kidding me, Doug? <laughs> Doug, come on. Do you like disco music? I would say it's my favorite genre. So you don't like listening to the Bee Gees? You don't like any of that? I mean, it's okay. I mean, I, I, you can't dance to it anyways, Tyler, so I don't care what you say. <laughs> you couldn't dance to hip-hop music, all right? You're losing your hair, all right? I am losing my hair. Yes, you are. Anyways, Doug, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you start working for Pro Football Focus uh, for the NFL? I covered the Patriots for eight years at Nesson. Uh, then it was time for something new, so Pro Football Focus was opening up a news division. I was really excited to to join the team because I was already friends with a lot of people over there at PFF, and then uh, I've been doing that since about July now. So it's been fun covering the entire league for this entire season, plus uh, plus training camp. 
So why don't we get into the Jets? Because obviously they're playing Thursday night football. Mike White becomes the story throughout the NFL. Throws 400 yards, 37 for 45. The first quarterback to ever do that in his first game. He's now his jersey. His football is in the Hall of Fame. It's shining. And the Jet fans say, hey, look, we have the starting quarterback of the future. 26-year-old journeyman, (laughs) four-year quarterback from the Cowboys. I mean, what are your thoughts to this whole Mike White thing? And I know... Anybody that knows anything about football, you you know that uh, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas stamped their name to Zach Wilson. There's no way in hell they're going to let Mike White be the starting quarterback of the future of this organization, no matter how well he plays. But what are your thoughts to Mike White's, what he's done his first week as a starting quarterback for the New York Jets? And where do you see Mike White moving forward with the New York Jets? It's certainly an interesting situation, and I did think it was kind of funny that Robert Sala kind of left the door open that Mike White could be the future. We all know that's not the case. It's going to have to be Zach Wilson, no matter how players play. But I do think that Mike White looks more comfortable back there than Zach Wilson has, and that's maybe to be expected because Mike White is more of a veteran option than than Zach Wilson. He's been in the league since 2018. Zach Wilson just a rookie. But you expect there to be a pretty large talent gap between the second overall pick and a guy who bounced around the league in the last three years. I don't know. I, I thought Mike White looked good in the in the second half against the Patriots. Obviously, he looked really good last week against the Bengals, and he started off this game hot before injuring his forearm. One thing, he's a restricted free agent after this season. So the Jets will have the option to tag him as a first-round, uh, with a first-round tender, second-round tender, or original-round tender. I would expect them to probably slap that original-round tender on him, fifth-round pick. But that means that another team could trade a fifth-round pick for Mike White, which... I don't know if he if he plays well in a few more games this season isn't out of the realm of possibility since Tyler Taylor Heineke just signed a relatively big deal over this offseason. So the other team in this game, the Indianapolis Colts, probably going to win if Mike White doesn't come back at all and up already up 21 to 10. And they got even though they lost on Sunday, they got some they got a a glimmer of hope with Derrick Henry now probably out for the season. So the Titans, even though they have a big lead in their division, can you see the Colts kind of gaining ground with this potentially? They have a pretty easy schedule to to finish off the season. They got got mostly NFC West over with already. So can you see them maybe coming back and stealing the AFC South or even a, a wild card spot? It's possible if Carson Wentz plays well down the stretch, but he started off the season hot for Carson Wentz. Then that all kind of fell apart last last week. I don't know. It's possible just because Derrick Henry, that's a major loss for the Titans. Uh, I forgot who said it, but I mean, that's one of the biggest drop-offs that you can have, I'd say, in the league from losing Henry and now having Adrian Peterson, Dante Foreman, and Jeremy McNichols there at running back. And that whole offense did run through Derrick Henry. It'll be interesting to see how that Titans team looks. I just don't know. It's Carson Wentz, and he knows he's good for one or two big mistakes per game. It definitely doesn't help that the Colts were not able to start this season on a good foot. Three and five. It's not buried, but I don't know. I still probably wouldn't expect them to be playoff bound, even though they will, like you said, likely be four and five after this matchup. Speaking of running, Odell Beckham Jr. is running his way out of Cleveland. Oh God! So not you, surprised. Obviously, the him and the Browns are just working out details on how soon they can get this contract over with, and he can go wherever he wants. Is there any? Was there a final straw here, or was it just Odell never fit in when he got there? Well, it certainly hasn't gone well for him since he got to Cleveland, and I'd argue that it really hasn't gone that well for him ever since he he signed the big contract overall. But I do think that 
the comments from LeBron, the comments from Odell Beckham's father, that was pretty clearly the breaking point here because after that all happened, that's when the Browns told Odell to stay home and then he hasn't practiced on Wednesday or Thursday. So like you said, it it does seem like there's a divorce coming here. Uh, It does seem likely that they'll probably just have to waive him at a certain point because, you know, according to NFL rules, you can't suspend a player with pay. It's only working for Deshaun Watson because he's agreed to it. But if Odell Beckham says that he wants to play, then the Browns can't just keep him at home paying him, but suspending him. So, so something's going to have to happen here. And like I did, like I said, it, it does seem like a, a, he's going to be waived at some point here. We are talking to pro football focus NFL reporter, Doug Kide. Now, Doug, Von Miller gets traded to the Rams and everybody at the trade deadline, we're like, oh, my God, the Rams just trade away all their draft picks now. They <laughs> they gave up 2022, uh, I think it was a 2022 second round, 2023 fourth round or whatever the heck, they, a third round that they did. They gave up players. Von Miller, adding Von Miller to this defense, a top-end defense with obviously one of the best defensive players in the league, if not the best, Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. Is this the team to beat right now in the NFC, now solidifying themselves with a quarterback in the beginning of the season, and now Von Miller? I think they probably are. They're probably the team to beat overall, but the Buccaneers are are right up there with them because uh, I know that there's been times when they haven't looked quite that dominant, but that was really the case last season as well. And I, I do think that once the Buccaneers get their secondary rounded back into shape, and that's already starting to happen, Sean Murphy bunting uh, was designated to return off of injured reserve. I think the Buccaneers will be really good down the stretch as well. So that's the two man race that I'm looking at here is between the Rams and the Bucs. Uh, the Rams are, they're a wagon though. <laughs> they're they're going to be a tough team to beat. And like you said, with those top three defenders on, on that roster and Really, they, they've gone all in. It was, I believe, a 2022 second and a 2022 third. And Von Miller is a free agent after this season. So if he walks in free agency, then they could still get the, the 23 compensatory fifth round pick. Uh, maybe, you know, making this trade makes it easier for them to re-sign him this offseason. But it could wind up being a, a half-year rental for a second and third round pick. That's a lot to give up. So it's it's kind of... Like I said, yeah, they're kind of pushing all the chips on, uh, into the middle of the table here. So let's go to their division rival who made a trade kind of right before the trade deadline. The Arizona Cardinals, they trade for Zach Ertz. Uh, we were arguing it yesterday with one of our callers as well that what kind of role will he serve? It's an air raid. It's a, a NFL equivalent to an air raid offense. A lot of wide receivers with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And I was saying how Zach Ertz is probably, even though he isn't the like world-class blocker, he's going to be used as that a lot more often. What do you think his role will end up being in this offense? I think it could be kind of twofold. I do think that he could be used as a blocker. He's experienced at it. Like you said, not not the best in the NFL. He's not Gronk out there or anything like that. Uh, but he he's a willing blocker. But really, he's, you know, at times, he's kind of that big slot receiver. So they, they've got the maneuverability with him where they can kind of do that that four wide look with Zach Gertz. They could they could bring him in at tight end. They could do a lot of things with him. The issue that they're facing right now is that, you know, especially heading into this game, they're pretty banged up. AJ Green on the COVID list. Kyler Murray hasn't practiced the last couple of days. JJ Watt could be out for the season. Uh, so there, there's a lot of moving pieces, especially heading into this week. I, I wouldn't expect Kyler Murray to be out long term, but it's certainly possible that he could be out this week. Same thing with AJ Green. He should be back before we know it. Uh, so it might be a little speed bump for them. But just heading into this week, 
it, it, it's looking a little shaky for them against the 49ers. But but long term, as long as that defense can hold up without Watt, uh, they're certainly contenders as well. I just might not put them in that same echelon as the Bucs and the Rams. Now, obviously, we're talking about the NFC West, so we might as well stay there. Russell Wilson has apparently a 1 million percent chance of demanding another trade this offseason. <laughs> Is that any truth to that whatsoever? And if so, where does he want to go? I mean, I think that just given all of the rumors last year, that, that it's certainly possible again, that that those will percolate again. And I think that, you know, one thing that, that could be interesting is say, you know, if Odell Beckham Jr. gets waived and if he clears waivers, which is what everyone expects him to do, what if the Seahawks pick him up? What if what if they, you know, extend that olive branch to Russell Wilson by saying, we want to keep you around We'll get you whatever you want. If you want Odell Beckham Jr., we'll give you Odell Beckham Jr. I don't. I, it all kind of depends on how the rest of the season goes. I think for the Seahawks, whether Pete Carroll's back, whether Russell Wilson's back, there's some, certainly a lot of questions there. I, I would say that probably a 50-50 chance he's still there next year. And that's not like an exact guess. That's not uh, anything technical, but it just seems like there could be a break coming there. And if there is, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he tries to go to one of the major markets, whether that obviously there's probably not a place for him in LA right now, but you know, maybe the giants, if, if that doesn't go well this season uh, with Daniel Jones um, you know, maybe, maybe another one of the the major market teams, just because uh, you know, with, with Sierra, with, with Russell Wilson, I think they're trying to, to raise their, their profile as much as possible. So yeah, a team like New York would certainly be interesting there. We are talking to pro football focus NFL reporter Doug Kide. Now, Doug, uh, you were talking about, obviously, the Buccaneers, and you were talking about the Rams. But we forget about one team that always is talked about in the NFC, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, 100% healthy. Obviously, the vac- uh, he didn't get his vaccination, so he's going to be missing this week. Could miss another week. But they're 7-1, and one, and they knocked off the Arizona Cardinals, who – were the the undefeated team everybody thought couldn't be beat. Uh, they they were the best team in all of the NFL before last week. Then Green Bay knocks them off. Aaron Rodgers really plays with nothing, and everybody everybody keeps talking about him. Oh, Tom Brady played with nothing, but Aaron Rodgers has really played with nothing. Devontae Adams, and that's it. I mean, the next best wide receiver he has, he's not even in the top one hundred in wide receivers in the NFL. So it just shows you what he does with nothing. Do you think that this could be the year, if this defense and this secondary plays as well as they did last week against a very good Arizona Cardinal team, do you think they could be the favorites of coming out of the NFC and winning a Super Bowl this year? I, I'm impressed by the by the Packers. I just think that you know it's a really tough NFC. Like we go through all these teams. Like any one of these four teams could be the top team in the, in the AFC this year. So it, it is a really tough conference. I'd still put the Bucs and the Rams – probably above the Packers, but they're up there with the Cardinals. They, they're in, obviously they beat the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, with, with a really rough <laughs> overall Nobody. receiving core, not only, <laughs> you know, the wide receivers out, but also Robert Tunyon gets hurt in that game as well. <laughs> they lose him. So now he's probably dealing without a, a top tight end for the rest of the season, uh, unless they can scramble on something for waivers or, anything, or something like that. But yeah, I mean, they, they're right up there as well. It's, it's going to be interesting, I think, with the Packers. We're talking about the Packers right now to see how Jordan Love plays in this game mm. against the Chiefs. I think it's not the worst spot for him to be in 
for his starting debut because I don't think expectations will be that high for him against the Chiefs team. I don't think anyone's really expecting him to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. People will probably be expecting the Chiefs to win that game. The Chiefs defense has been really rough this season. Uh, so it, it's there's a potential for Jordan Love to look good in this game against the Chiefs. And if that happens, there's some uncertainty next offseason with Aaron Rodgers, if he'll be back in Green Bay next season. And if Jordan Love plays really well against the Chiefs, that might at least, you know, make the Packers feel a little bit better if Aaron Rodgers does does leave next season. Obviously, that that's a year away. I do think the Packers will be in the running again this season in the playoffs. Uh, but that is an interesting side note that we're going to get to see Jordan Love start this season uh, with everything that's brewing with the Packers over the offseason. Speaking of Kansas City, okay, a team that everybody thought was a Super Bowl contender. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes, before the season started, was talking about going undefeated the whole season. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the first five games, they lose three out of the first five or six games. Uh, they have not looked uh, as good as we expected them to be. Patrick Mahomes has made a lot of mistakes this year, mistakes that we have not seen Patrick Mahomes ever make. We were talking about him being the elite quarterback, the best quarterback in the NFL. And slowly but surely, you're seeing guys like Justin Herbert really take that step forward where uh, people are starting to put him in the conversation as elite. And then all of the other ones, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, who Tom Brady is probably the favorite right now to win the MVP. What are your thoughts to Kansas City? I know their defense has been terrible, but even their offense. I mean, Tyree Kill has been – I don't know what the heck he's been doing. I, I think he needs to stop going on YouTube. I don't know what the heck he's doing. But this team is not the same team we expected them to be this year. It, certainly not. And I think that, you know, it sounds crazy if you look at a team that's got Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey that you could complain about their weapons – but really, the Chiefs have done nothing to address that number two wide receiver spot for the last few years. They had Sammy Watkins, who was fine, but he was always hurt when he was in Kansas City. He's been hurt uh, a lot recently. This season, they were counting on McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. Obviously, Josh Gordon hasn't really stood out since he he got there. I was shocked that they didn't do something more to improve that number two wide receiver spot especially after the Super Bowl last season, because I think that the Buccaneers kind of exploded that issue, that if by some chance you can take Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey out of the game, then there's basically no one else for Patrick Mahomes to be throwing to in that offense. And that's when he has to you know, rely on the Byron Pringles and the Demarcus Robinsons and all these guys. And I think that that's when he starts to get a little bit flummoxed out there. But no, like you said, he hasn't looked like himself. He's been throwing more interceptions. Uh, the running game hasn't really got going. You know, especially in even like on the Monday night game, the Giants played them close. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a, a not a good Giants team, obviously. <laughs> a, a Giants team that's kind of, uh, on their toes at this point in the season. And, and that very easily could have been a New York win. So I think that that kind of shows you in general where Patrick Mahomes is. And I actually thought it was interesting that you were talking about, you know, the elite quarterbacks around the NFL as well. There's like a list of like nine or 10 guys at this point mm -hmm. you could consider elite. All the guys that you talked about, Kyler Murray's right up there with those mm -hmm. guys. Dak Prescott's right up with the, uh, with all those guys. There's, there's a really good like top nine or 10 quarterbacks out there. And right now, Patrick Mahomes isn't standing out uh, among them. There are guys who are playing better than him right now. So I'm going to go back to Odell. Either either if he gets cut this year or even in the offseason, 
a team that could use him this year, that you, a fit that you like maybe for as a rental and also long-term, a team that could sign him to a three-, four-year deal maybe uh, in the offseason, a fit that you like for both of those scenarios? Um, the Saints are, are an obvious choice. I think that, you know, outside of the Detroit Lions, the Saints probably have the weakest wide receiver core in the NFL right now. And it, it certainly does not help now that Michael Thomas is out for the season. Uh, if they're going to go on a run this season, which – now, who knows if that's going to happen with either Trevor Simeon or, or Taysom Hill at quarterback. I do think that they need to find another weapon in that offense. And the two guys who are potentially available, or one guy who's definitely available right now is Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. We'll see where he goes. Uh, but then Odell Beckham Jr. is the other one who's who's the other domino who's going to fall here most likely if he gets waived. So I think that, you know, Odell makes a lot of sense for the Saints. He played college football at LSU. Uh, he's familiar with the area. It, it's a team that could certainly use him. And if he gets waived, then if he clears waivers, then the Browns are basically on the hook for that $8.1 million. And he can sign for a veteran minimum mm. anywhere and still get paid $8 million this <laughs> season. There, there's no benefit really for him or the team that's signing him to give him more than the veteran minimum. So the Saints are always up against the cap. They're especially up against it this year. But if you're dealing with a veteran minimum salary, then you know pretty much anyone or anyone around the league uh, could bring him in. And just since I mentioned him already, Deshaun Jackson's another interesting uh, piece that's or that's around right now. He cleared waivers today, so he's a free agent now. The team that I'd look for there is probably the, the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. after they uh, obviously waived. Henry Ruggs for good reason now after the, the DUI uh, and the, the tragic car accident that, that, that killed a 23 year old woman. But, you know, they're still contenders as well. They still have, they still got off to a hot start this season. And now they're, you know, obviously looking for a starting caliber wide receiver, whether that would be someone like Deshaun Jackson, who would fit in pretty well into that, that Ruggs role or someone like Odell Beckham Jr. Certainly could make sense there as well. Speaking of saints disgruntled wide receivers, Michael Thomas came out this week on his Instagram and said he's not coming back this year. He had a setback. I said in the uh, OTAs, whatever you want to call it, he won't play a game for the Saints ever again. Now, obviously, I think there's a divorce coming here. Is there any truth to Michael Thomas coming back to New Orleans, or is he gone too? I could I could see him coming back. It, it makes it more difficult after this season, or really after these last two seasons where, you know, gets hurt week one of the 2020 season, tries to play through it, that doesn't go well, then he delays his surgery until June. It might be a best for both parties to to split. I don't know one way or the other if that is happening, but it, it's it's just a weird situation with what's going on there with that ankle because it should be better by now. But I, I don't I just don't know if there's if he's got the confidence in that ankle right now that it is at 100%, I think that that's probably what, what caused him to, you know, to, to shut it down this season and wait till he is fully healthy. But, you know, now by the time he gets back, it's a season and a half that he's been off the field. And I don't know if you at that point want to pay him like a top tier wide receiver when you don't know when he'll be back on the field, if he'll be back on the field, and what he'll look like when he is finally back on the field. As you guys know, we are talking to pro football focus NFL reporter Doug Kide. Last question for me, Doug. Uh, the AFC, okay? And we we all know a lot of people think the Buffalo Bills are the favorites that are coming out of the AFC, especially the way their defense is playing. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. He's playing sensational football, uh, turning into the superstar right in front of our eyes that a lot of people thought he was going to be. 
But there are teams in the AFC, like Baltimore, even though they have not played well uh, a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals, um, they're a very good team. The Bengals, obviously not playing well against the Jets last week, a lot of people thought are taking a lot of steps forward. Their defense has played very well. Before last week, they haven't given up a team. They haven't give up, given up more than 25 points to a team until last week against the Jets. So their defense is playing well, uh, and they have a, a prolific offense. But how about, we were just talking about Justin Herbert and the Chargers, who have not played well the last mm-hmm. two weeks, but this team is for real. Their defense is really, really good. They have a rookie coach, but this offense is prolific. They could score. They could score with the best of them. And when Eckler is on, he is one of the most unstoppable running backs in the league people just don't talk about. So who do you think, out of the AFC, could be the favorites of coming out? Because it, it doesn't look like it's Kansas City. We all know that. So who do you see... Uh, out of this AFC and all these divisions uh, is going to come out of the uh, AFC and, and, and represent the AFC for the Super Bowl? I, I do think it's going to be the Bills. I think that they've got the best shot at this point. Uh, but I still believe in the Chargers. Like you said, they haven't looked that good over the last couple of weeks. But I believe in Brandon Staley. I think that Justin Herbert is really a player who could ascend even more as the season goes along. I think they they just need to fix some things on on defense. They've struggled against the run. So I don't know if that's, you know, poaching someone off of a practice squad, um, you know, trying to fix that one way or the other. I know that that's not the the sexiest way to to try to fix their team, but I just think that they need some bigger, more consistent bodies in the middle of their defense. But I've got faith in Brandon Staley to, to figure that out. I've got faith in Justin Herbert. So I think that they would be the dark horse for me. Ravens, I think that they've still got a chance as well. Uh, There's been some, you know, it's amazing. Lamar Jackson like breaks out on national TV and then he kind of has some, some stinkers (laughs) when they're playing it in the one o'clock games. And, but people don't, see that as much. Uh, I personally believe in Lamar Jackson uh, and I think that he's a good quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, but he just hasn't, he hasn't been as consistent maybe this season as we expect him to be uh, Bengals. Great story, but I just, I don't know if I believe in them long-term this mm-hmm. season. So I go with the bills. Chargers are, are right up there with them. And then it gets a little bit murky for me, but mm. Chargers are an interesting, interesting team. They're another team that could really use a player like Deshaun Jackson mm. or use a player like Odell Beckham. I just don't know if they're the type of team who would be willing to bring a player like that in midway through the season. I do know that, you know, it would certainly be easy for Deshaun Jackson to go from the, the Los Angeles Rams to the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. be a, a very far move for him. Uh, he's from the Los Angeles area. So there's a lot of, uh, dots to connect there and they need a third consistent wide receiver in that offense, especially since Jared cook really has not stepped up at tight end this season. Josh Palmer hasn't come on it as well as expected. It, it's that it's that two man show there with Keenan Allen uh, and Mike Williams. So like I said, I don't know if they're the team who makes that midseason move, but but they could use another weapon in that offense right now. So one more question for me. The Ravens just have been a little different this year. They're normally running in defense for the most part, but it's their defense has been exposed to big plays, and Lamar Jackson's had to do it a lot through the air with the with the running game with all the injuries that they've had. So do you think that different is a good thing for this Ravens team, or do you think maybe their flaws are still their flaws? It's such a tough situation for them because they just had so many injuries early in the, you know, in training camp, early in the season. And injuries are are really kind of the name of the game in the NFL sometimes is that at a certain point at times, you can't overcome those injuries. And to lose, you know, J.K. Dobbins 
and Gus Edwards. Now they're dealing with this, you know, like plethora of veteran running backs, all of whom kind of <laughs> look about the same. Backfield. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's. I don't know how long those guys can carry them, and then you deal with you know the Marcus Peters injury. You, right. it's it just I do wonder if at a certain point those injuries pile up too much. Uh, and I know that they came out strong at the start of the season. Uh, I know that they looked hot. It looked like, you know, those injuries weren't going to affect them this year. But I just, I personally wonder how much that will affect them. I mean, you're also talking about, you know, injuries on their offensive line as well. Ronnie Stanley out for the season. That's mm-hmm. going to hurt them. And it's not as if, you know, these guys that we're talking about played at any point this year, but it's just a lot of talent zapped off their roster that they never got to field this season. And I think that that's maybe one of the big reasons why I'm a little bit hesitant about them this year. So we started this interview talking about the New York Jets, so we're going to end it talking about the New York Giants because they're two teams, well, three, but two teams that play in New York, right? Quote, quote. The Giants, obviously, they've been hit or miss. Saquon, it looks like his time with the Giants is probably over. Now, more importantly, Daniel Jones is kind of the face of the future. Do you see the Giants sticking with Daniel Jones, or is he on a shorter leash than people think? It's tough. I, I actually thought this offseason that people weren't really talking about Daniel Jones enough. And it was amazing that, mm. you know, he plays in the biggest market in the country. He was a first round pick. Uh, he had been kind of disappointing over the first couple of years of his of his career. And no one was talking about this as some kind of make or break season for Daniel Jones. And I, I thought it was. I, I think that, you know, if you haven't improved to the point of being a top quarterback in, in your third season, then I think the team needs to start looking at other options. So I certainly would not be surprised if they did, whether that was, you know, drafting a quarterback in the second round, bringing on one of those, you know, backup guys, the, the, that will probably be available uh, this off season. We already talked about, you know, Russell Wilson, that that's a situation where Daniel Jones has not played well enough to the point where if one of those top tier quarterbacks, whether it is Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, or, you know, there's been a lot of quarterback movement lately. If one of those guys comes available and you've got Daniel Jones, at quarterback, I think you've got to move on it. I actually thought, you know, a couple of years ago that they should have been in play for Tom Brady. I know that the offensive line uh, wasn't in, in good enough shape at that point, but I think that, you know, being in New York, they possibly could have been in play for that situation. It seemed like they were just content with Daniel Jones. So it's it's a little bit like treading water where, yes, you can move forward with Daniel Jones, but there's a lot of better options that could come available that they could that they could look to if they do. Like I said, if if Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or any of these guys want to be traded. The question is, could they afford them if they become available? That's the question. And with the Giants in their cap, it doesn't seem like they will. Russell Wilson's going to be expecting a huge contract, a, a very big contract, because this will be his last contract of his career. So I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him. And we know Aaron Rodgers is not coming to New York. We already know that. He He's already made it uh, pretty much be known there's only two teams he wants to play for, the 49ers and the Broncos. So, And I don't think he's going to the 49ers because they already traded their whole life and their whole draft uh, for a quarterback that hopefully will be decent. And the Broncos look like they're, they're a team 
if Bezos, I, I've been hearing that Bezos might buy the Broncos in the offseason. He uh, came out and said no, by the way. Uh, I don't believe that. You know, of course, <laughs> you think Bezos is going to say, oh, I'm not going to buy that team. I, I mean, maybe honestly. He'll, maybe he'll put him in outer space. There's somebody that's going to buy the Broncos. <laughs> well, sure. Because the, the, the ownership over there, the family yeah. are not getting along over there. So they want to sell the team. They want to get their money, and they want to move out of that. So Talk about a hands-off owner. <laughs> Bezos was the hands-off owner. That would be a, a dream situation for a GM and a head coach. Oh, Elway might Bezos stay at that point. You know, all, they'll, all they have to pay Aaron Rodgers is Amazon you know, stock. He'll be happy with that. I mean, he'd be a very rich man. <laughs> Came under the table with some crypto. That's right. Anyways, uh, Doug, we would like to get you on again. You, you were a great interview. Tell the fans how they could find you. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Doug Kide. That's D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D. And then... Uh, Head to pff.com. I've got a, a feature on Michael Carter up there today of the Jets. Uh, another one coming tomorrow, Jaguars defensive end Josh Allen with the uh, the upcoming Josh Allen Bowl between the, <laughs> the Jags and the Bills this weekend. Uh, and I've got a mailbag dropping tomorrow as well. Last well, time that happened, Leonard Fournette threw a punch and got ejected. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Doug, we'd love to get you on if you'd like to come back on uh, as the season progresses, probably towards the end of the season. Uh, we'd love to talk more football and your your picks, whoever goes to the, the playoffs on where we see these uh, where we see the playoff and and the wild cards are going to fall because there could be some interesting things that are going to happen in the AFC and the NFC. As you know, there's like eight. What do we have? Seven, eight more weeks left of the no. season. There's a lot more football left, so a lot of things could happen. Is it only for sure? Weeks? No, absolutely. This was fun. Nine weeks, seventeen Jeez. weeks. So there's about eight. There's about nine, uh, eight weeks left of the NFL season. So yes, absolutely, Doug. And uh, we definitely would absolutely enjoy you coming on again. Thank you, Doug, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Doug. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, pro football focus NFL reporter. When we come back. We are going to have, and we will be talking to, the Athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer, Mo Dacchio, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Big Easy himself, Errol Marks. We're not we going. got Speedy, the Bagman, Petey, and we have the Mothball. Yes, the Mothball is in the studio as always. Why do Tyler, you get the cool nicknames and I get Mothball Harrison? That's right. Woo! Yes, you can call us at six three one six seven two three one zero eight. You can go to our website. What do you call you, Bagman? www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thank you to Doug Kide, pro football focus NFL reporter. And now we have our second guest. He's been waiting patiently, and we are now talking (laughs) to the athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer, Mo Dacchio. What's going on, Mo? Oh, not a whole lot, guys. I was able to catch the, the tail end of your interview there and uh, ready to roll, man. Ready for football this weekend as well. Oh, you're a football fan, too. Very interesting. L- very, very loosely. You got to pay attention to this crazy NBA and Adam Silver and uh, everything that's going on with Kyrie Irving. So why don't we get into the Kyrie Irving saga? Because it seems like it is a saga over there in Brooklyn. 
what are your thoughts to obviously I have a lot of respect for Kyrie Irving for what he said uh, on his Instagram. He came out. He really spoke from his heart. He 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 told you what he felt what was going on with the vaccination and how the NBA told him that uh, in the beginning, before the season started, that he wouldn't have to get the vaccination. Now, all of a sudden, because of uh, the mandate over here in New York, he is forced to get it. So he doesn't want to do it. And now with the new governor and the new or the new mayor, uh, that could change uh, in the new year. Who knows what's going to happen? So what are your thoughts with Kyrie Irving? And do you think the Nets could win without Kyrie Irving in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think you just said it best with who knows with Kyrie Irving, right? In general, we have no full understanding with Kyrie Irving what the possibilities are. You know, I think there was a, a thought at one point of like, listen, he'll get the jab by the end of by the end of training camp. He'll be ready to roll at the start of the season. And then just slowly the story started trickling out where the Nets were like, uh, yeah, no, he, he he might not be getting this at all. We might have a problem on our hands. So, you know, it's it's kind of a wild situation in that scenario. So, you know, you said it with the new mayor coming in and him saying, I'm going to look at the vaccine mandates. There's a possibility, you know, when he takes office in January that he gets rid of the mandate and Kyrie could play. Steve Nash has said we'd welcome him back if he does. Uh, but that's still a lot to just hope for. And that's also two months away at this point. Like the whole season could be different. The Nets are talented enough to win the championship. I think even without Kyrie, they just have some work to do right now that they've been planning all off season, even in training camp when they thought they'd have Kyrie to have Kyrie. So now everything's been just thrown up in the air and they got to kind of figure out a new game plan, new rotations, who's going to fit and who's going to do what and things like that. So at times it's not going to look pretty, but we saw last night, like when they're rolling, nobody can stop KD. Before I get to my question, uh, Josh comments, Errol's twin. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think they look like each other? Errol's twin? Who's my twin? <laughs> apparently apparently he thinks Mo is. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, listen, two good-looking dudes. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, listen, I, I, I have no problem with that either. But, uh, Josh, who's your twin? <laughs> oh, you, you thought you, you, you thought it, you thought it was a, a wannabe Adam Sandler. So. Well, well, he doesn't look like Adam Sandler, but he surely acts like one. So, so, so Mo, my question is uh, with Kyrie Irving. So, depending on how long it ends up going into the season, what at what point, whether it's with the team record, whether it's with the point guard production, or even James Harden continuing to struggle like he did, what point do they either have to look to trade Kyrie Irving, maybe do a swap with with somebody like Damian Lillard or Ben Simmons? That's been rumored a lot. What point do they have to do that or even just try to uh, just trade for a replacement point guard? You know, I don't think they're going to. I just don't think one. I don't know if there's a market for it. And let's just be honest here with everything that's gone on with Kyrie over the past few seasons. Like with this being the latest kind of chapter in the Kyrie saga, it's I could see teams going like we don't know what we're actually trading for. Right. If it's not the vaccine, it could be something else. Remember last season, which I, I. it didn't bother me, but I know a lot of people were upset when Kyrie just took a few weeks off. You know, there's there's a lot of sort of questions around Kyrie that I think would make a team very nervous to trade for him. You know, if you're Portland and you're trading Damian Lillard, you're going to have a million offers for him. You know, you you can't trade for the guy. And then Kyrie goes, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to retire. You know, and that's something he's threatened to do if he gets traded. There's a lot of stuff that's n- nervous. About. So I don't even know if the Nets would have the option to trade him just on the pure fact of there may not be a market for him, which is crazy considering how talented he is when he's on the court. Um, so I, I, to answer your question, I don't know if there's a timetable for it because I just don't think there's a market. 
you brought up a point guard that's hurting my heart right now because he's on my fancy team and he's killing me. Damian Lillard <laughs> has not had a great start to the season. And this one kind of stings a little bit more than his normal slow starts. He never has a good start. That's what happens when you interrupt the question, Hattie. Mm. Calm down. So anyway. <laughs> you, who'd you call me? Hattie. What the hell's a Hattie? Somebody that wears a hat. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, as I was so rudely interrupted, mm. this one stings a little bit more than his normal slow starts because it was very well documented that his relationship with Portland's fractured. He doesn't like Chauncey Billups as his head coach. Is there more to this than just Damian Lillard having a slow start, or is his mind not really into it right now, even though now reports are coming out saying he's demanding and really pushing for them to go get Draymond Green? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in that sense. Like, I everything I've seen from Damian is he's not ready to leave Portland yet. You know, and maybe that changes as they continue to lose some games. He's starting off slow. It's, you know, it's like we were saying earlier, it tends to happen with him regularly. The, keep him on your fantasy team because what's going to happen is I'm to he's, Curry. he's, well, okay, well, if you're getting Steph, then okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. But like, if it's for anything less than that, you're, if he's going to blow up. He's right. too good of a player to be shooting this poorly. That's going to come back. And I think it's just a matter of him finding his rhythm, getting comfortable with everything that's going along. You know, it's been a weird sort of, six months for him since the off season, basically, you know, where he was contemplating demanding a trade ended up backing off of that. They bring in Chauncey Billups and he's building a rapport with Chauncey. You know, when you look at this roster, he asked for a championship roster and they brought Cody Zeller and Larry Nance jr. Not really much of an upgrade. So I think there's a lot of frustration there in everything that they have going on, but just keep an eye on it. I I just don't think Dame's going to start out, or stay going this cold for this long. I'm waiting any second for the breakout game. We are talking to at, uh, the Athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer Mo Dockiel. Now, Mo, going back to New York, let's go to the New York Knicks. And, and the Knicks started off very strong. They were 5-1. and one. They were playing great basketball. Tom Thibodeau's pre- preaching defense. This, this team, Walker was playing defense. Fournier was playing playing defense. The last two games, they have not played good defense. And, and really, Julius Randle has become really a stopgap ball hawk. And that's that's what I see him to be. I, I, I am not a big fan of Julius Randle. I think he reminds me of a, a poor man's Carmelo Anthony. That's where I see him to be. Um, but we saw what he did in the playoffs last year. He completely choked when the fans started to, to come into the stadiums, and even against the Bulls, when there was, what, five, uh, four seconds left of the game, he missed two foul shots, could have cost them the game uh, right. over there with the Bulls. When you look at this team, could you win as Julius Randle as your number one guy, or do the Knicks need to look forth at, at maybe another guy that could be available at the trade deadline as a number one guy? Yeah, I mean, I don't I'm not a big Julius Randle believer. He's been great. He's been awesome in New York, had put up big numbers in the regular season last year. I was very suspicious and, and wanted to see what it would look like once teams were able to game plan for him during the playoffs. And we saw Atlanta kind of just took him out of his rhythm in that series. And the Knicks responded by adding more more scoring in Kemba Walker, in Evan Fournier, and everything that goes with it. But those guys don't defend. They may defend a game here, a game there. You might get a good night defensively, but you're not going to get a consistent, 
you know, full stretch of a season with those guys. Kemba Walker with his knees, very questionable. And so my big question whenever I watch the Knicks is their offense just looks the same to me. Everything runs through Randall. Randall's kind of a terminator. You know, anytime they're running a play and the ball ends up in his his hands, the play's over. He's going to try to go one-on-one and take it from there. And now it's just on him. Can he recreate what he created last season and, and build that up for them? And I just don't think he can. And I just don't think he's a number one guy. I don't think he's a guy you can win a championship with him as your number one, maybe even not as your number two. So what do you think the ceiling is that for the Knicks this year? A lot of people think with the Nets possibly losing Kyrie Irving for a while, maybe they are, they're the team that sneaks into the top three. Milwaukee, Miami, Atlanta, teams like that, they're kind of in that running the, the 76 How about the way Charlotte? played. The, well, yeah, the, I don't think a lot of people were expecting that at the beginning of the season, though. So where do you think the Knicks ceiling is in terms of like a, a being a regular season seed and also what kind of playoff identity you think they could have? Because it was bad last year, but we know a lot of times good defensive teams can do well. Yeah, I think the ceiling for them is probably about a five seed. I don't see them having home court advantage this season. Uh, I just think so many teams are better. We were already watching Miami looking way better, I think, than anybody was fully anticipating. Not yeah. me. All right, all right. Well, that's, I that's Miami, good on you, brother. I think Miami's overrated. I, I really do, and I, I, I honestly – they lost the other day. They're six and two. Oh, what a shame! And, and I don't think I don't think they have the depth that everybody thinks that they have. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think anybody's questioning the depth. I think because we've. I'm with you on the depth. I think that's the biggest concern. But if they're healthy by the end of the season, they're going to be a tough team to deal with. The question is, how healthy can they stay throughout the regular season? Because look, Jimmy Butler's old. Kyle Lowry's old. You know, you're you're depending on guys. You know, PJ Tucker is barely moving out there, still productive, <laughs> but sl- barely moving. And I think you you just kind of are hoping you can cobble everything together and keep it going. But when you look at the Knicks, I just don't think they have that chance to really jump a lot of those teams. And with the Eastern Conference so much better, I could see them anywhere from five to the seven, maybe even eight range. You know, I could see them in the playing tournament, and that might just be a product of this team's better this year. But the East has gotten so much better; they might just fall. Have to be the team that. But don't falls. you don't you think the Knicks have the depth and, and 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 really what they added with Fournier and Walker? They have more depth offensively than a lot of these teams. I, I mean, the Chicago Bulls added a lot of pieces. Obviously, uh, with with the point guard that they added and, and uh, Ball, and then some of the other players that they added in the off season. They're a very good team, and they have depth. Uh, Toronto. I don't believe Toronto is going to be on top of the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn, we don't know what they are because of Kyrie Irving not being in the lineup. Washington is not five and three; they're not. They're not a good team. Philadelphia, are are we really going to believe in them? Joel Embiid is really their only big player. I mean, Harris is a good player, but they have no depth, and I don't trust Doc Rivers. You you say Miami? Miami don't have depth. I mean, out of all these teams, really in Eastern Conference, the Knicks have the most depth out of all. I'm not saying this because I'm a Knicks guy. I'm just saying what I see in this roster. They have more depth. And, and their weakness this year was the point guard position. Now you see it as a strength. If Walker could stay healthy, they have Rose, they have Quigley, and then they have the, the big men that they have. They have Robinson and Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel coming back from an injury, he still needs to fit into what this offense is going to be. I beg to differ. I, I think the Knicks could absolutely be a top four seed in the, in, in the, in the Eastern Conference. But it's just funny because it's Kemba Walker hasn't been healthy and played a full season in Absolutely. God knows how long, Absolutely. right? Like his yes. it, it, it's 
it is almost day to day with him mm-hmm. in terms of games he's going to be able to play. And that that's a big thing. Mitchell Robinson has not proven to be able to stay healthy all season. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. was it was in that Chicago game where it looked like he rolled his ankle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knock on wood, I hope he stays healthy and, and, and keeps it going. He was able to stay in that game and, and keep going. But there's always a moment where you watch it and you're just like, ah, crap, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, Rose, solid, solid dude but also getting up there in age. I wouldn't be shocked if that stuff begins to kind of start to fall off. Evan Fournier, pretty dependable. Mm -hmm. I think you don't have to worry too much along those lines. Like they have depth, but also at that time when you're looking at it, it's like, but how good are these guys? Like I like quickly, but it's not like I'm in love with quickly. And now he's not getting as many minutes as he was before because one Walker is out there. One Fournier is out there. One Rose is out there. There's it's a shorter leash, right? Like if, if he goes out there, has a bad turnover, Tibbs can, throw him out and bring somebody else in. It'd be one thing. Garden would go nuts if he subbed in Alfred Payton for him like last season. But if it was, but now if you're putting in Fournier or somebody in replace of him, it's, you know, it just slows his development down and that stuff. So I don't even know how much you're going to even get fully out of quickly. So I just think with them, I just, I, I don't trust their offense at the end of the day. It's very one-on-one centric and you're really dependent on Kemba Walker staying healthy. And I just don't trust the knees. So we kind of, hit on my question already. Everyone was talking about LA. Oh, they bring in Mello. They go get Russell Westbrook with LeBron James. Anthony Davis was already there. And they they bring back Rondo. And everyone's talking about the big three in Brooklyn or the Bucks. I personally think that the NBA Finals are two teams that no one's talking about right now. Golden State looks amazing together. And that's without Clay. And the Miami Heat, to me, are the best team, the best starting five in the East as a whole. And they play two way basketball. Is well, there? I mean, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, in, I mean, just, just to go right at that with with that. Like my thing with Golden State is, you know, their their defense has looked really good right now early on. That's going to change when Clay comes back because you're going to have to play Clay minutes. Clay is not coming back and immediately going to be ready to roll. Doesn't matter how much practice he does or whatnot. He hasn't played in two years, basically. Right. Right. And at this point, he's going to come on the court. It's going to take him two to three months. And we saw it last year with KD and the Achilles. You know, as good as KD looked when he was rolling, he missed a ton of games because your body does not respond all that well to after you tear your Achilles and go try to play any other sport. Now you're going to start to you got to worry about hamstring strains. You got to worry about your groin, your your knee, your your legs are going to overcompensate. You know, your left leg is going to be trying to take on more of a low. It's a whole thing of your body just has to learn how to recover again. So I think that's going to slow them down a bit. On top of that, you know, they got a big game the other night from Jordan Poole, but he started out the season pretty slow. Like, you're depending on a lot of guys that I'm not sure I really trust, and I think by the end of the season, it's going to be one of those things where Steph has to go nuclear every night for them to really have a chance. I think they're on a hot start right now, relatively easy schedule for the most part. Let's see how it continues once things pop off, but I'm not fully there yet on the Golden State Warriors being contenders. As you guys know, we are talking to the Athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer Mo Dockiel. Now, Mo, uh, we we talk about Steph Curry, and, and I, I I'm tired. I am tired of listening to fans try to compare Steph Curry to the all time great point guards. Okay, I'm tired of it because uh, he is not a point guard in my eyes when it comes to. Uh, when we talk about John Stockton, Chris Paul let yesterday uh, is in third place in assists. The closest he, the closest person to him is five, what three thousand, four thousand. Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd second. Yeah, it's like four, it, yeah. 
It's like, be quiet, be quiet, let me speak and finish what I have to say, and then you can butt in like you usually do. I think he's like 4,000 or 3,500 away from getting close to John Stockton. John Stockton also leads point guards in in, in steals, okay, of all time. When we talk a prototypical point guard, Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, even Chris Paul, those are the prototypical point guards. When you look at Steph Curry and what Steph Curry does, okay, I don't look at him as a point guard. I look at him as more of a, uh, I guess you could say a prototypical two and one. He is not... Anywhere and, and when I look at ESPN and look at all these bleacher reports and all these people, great the greatest point guards of all time, and Steph Curry, who's honestly had six good years in his what his illustrious um, twelve year or ten uh, year career as an NBA player, comparing him to the greats, do you think Steph Curry is one of the top five greatest point guards of all time? I think you got to put him up there. I'm sorry. I just, but I'll say this, and I'm going to push one. I'm going to give you one thing here. And I'm going to give you a, 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 a win I'm here in. a little bit too, though. He's a hybrid, right? But I think that's what we're, we're, that's trending what I'm saying. A it. two and a one. Yeah. That's what, and, and but, by the but, way, by the but, way, Carl, that's what I mean. A two and a one, a one and a two, a point guard and a shooting guard. That is what a two and a one in NBA terms, a two and a one is. Gotcha. But what I'm saying is we're also getting to the point where positions aren't going to really be a thing in the NBA, right? Like we have guys like Nikola Jokic leading the NBA or close to leading the NBA in assists, and that's a center, right? But he's really, he's not so much a center as much as he's your primary playmaker. And that's what Steph is. And a lot of what Steph does is just the action off the ball to create so many more opportunities for them. It's almost like you wouldn't call it an assist, but it's kind of like an assist. Just he pulls guys away from him. He comes off a screen, two, three guys jump at him, and he doesn't even have the ball. That's why Draymond's always able to drop the dime to the guy that's slipping for the easy dunk. It just creates opportunities and everything that goes with it. But in that sense, you know, when we're looking, when we're going to go top two guards, we're never going to put him in there because we're thinking two guards, we're thinking Jordan. Uh, uh, Kobe, Kobe. You, you know, we're, we're going to go down that list. He's not going to be there, you know, but he, he does belong in the top five. Now he's not number one for me. He's not number two or three in the, the, the best point guards, you know, along those same lines, magic Johnson's probably going to be there in your top five point guards, but magic wasn't, is, was also a hybrid. Cause he was basically a power forward. You know, it's along those lines where you're going to, we're, we're starting to blur those lines here a little bit with positions. So I think you, it's almost we're going to get to the point where instead of positions, we're just going to be talking about roles. You're going to have a ball handler. You're going to have a playmaker. You're going to have a shooter, uh, a defender, whatnot. There's just going to be more of roles in the long run. That's that's my campaign. I'm pushing if I was but, running for but here, office. And here's going to be, he's not even the best point guard in the NBA. He really isn't. Oh, stop it. He isn't. When when all the point guards are playing at the top of their game, he's not the best point guard. And really, in the last four years, when at the top of their game, Damian Lillard has been the best point guard in the league. So to say that Steph Curry is the best point guard in, in amongst the league's top five point guards of all time, I could you really compare him to Chris Paul? He can. He doesn't play two way basketball. He's beat Chris Paul numerous he, times. He doesn't play two way basketball. And by the way, Steph Curry. And, and, and I'll say this again. Steph Curry, was he ever an MVP in the playoffs in the finals? Never was. Andre Iguodala was. Andre Iguodala. Uh, Kevin Durant. He was robbed. Oh, get out of here. He was robbed. He, he you was are robbed. Steph Andre Iguodala. Really? Come on, man. Mo, really? Mo, 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 Mo. He was are you, robbed in that one. Are you, are you a host or are you an idiot? Okay. <laughs> Uh, this is not a cheering's line. Uh, I, 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 he, but he's just spitting knowledge. knowledge. I appreciate knowledge. Knowledge? Here's the knowledge. Here's the knowledge. In that, in the playoffs that year, 
in, in the playoffs, he averaged 24 points a game, okay? LeBron James averaged in that series. He should have been the MVP in that series because he averaged 33 points in that series and should and averaged almost nine rebounds and 12 assists in that series. It, the, Steph Curry wasn't even the best player on that team in that series. He didn't make the the big plays when they needed to. And by the way, Clay Clay Thompson in at the end of the games, they they gave him the ball, not Steph Curry. To say that he was robbed is ridiculous. And Andre Iguodala was the one that shut down LeBron James in the final two games, and that's why they won. So to say you that just Steph threw those Curry, numbers out of LeBron, like how much did Iguodala actually stop him if he's putting up those numbers? And LeBron should have been the Finals MVP if they were if they if they won the championship. Because like that's that's when you look at the numbers that you just threw out there, mm-hmm. you just made the case that Andre Iguodala wasn't that effective. Uh, Andre Iguodala made the big plays at the end of the game, especially I think it was in Game Six. It was Game Six or Game Five. I, I think it was Game Six. Andre Iguodala, Iguodala was the one that had that big block on LeBron James. He's the one that played the defense and took LeBron James out of his game and out of the point where LeBron James was left to do everything in that game. And by the way, I honestly. With, with that whole game and that whole series, I, I, Steph Curry didn't deserve it. And, and for you to think that Steph Curry was the MVP of that series, I don't know what the hell you were watching because I was watching a completely different game. And I, I, I don't think Steph Curry was the MVP of that series. And I don't think – honestly, Steph Curry, if you look at his, his numbers in the playoffs, they're not good. From the regular season, if you look at his record, what did he average last year? Thirty points a game. Yeah, he was thirty-one points a game. Thirty-one points. Uh, by the way, when they when they got into that round robin, did they make the round robin? Did they make the playoffs? No, no, they didn't. That was a bad team. But your bad team. Bad team? That, that was a bad team. Oh, that was a bad team. team. Oh, come on. The New York Knicks with Julius Randle and the players that they had. The Knicks had no no, no reason in the to East. be the In the East. In the East. And in the East. What, by the way, LeBron James, what did he do in the playoffs? He was a seed above him. Uh, a seed above him. He got knocked out in the first round. Did he not? Okay, but hold on a second because you threw out a lot of stuff there about Curry and his, and his playoff mm-hmm. numbers. Curry's career playoff numbers, 26.5 points a game. Pretty damn solid right there. 6.3 assists, 5.4 rebounds from your point guard, mm-hmm. which is pretty strong numbers along those lines. Mm-hmm. Shot Still shot 40% from three, mm-hmm. 45% from the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, effective field goal percentage of 55.8. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're talking about the runs when they go win the championships, mm-hmm. right? 28.3 in the first f- championship in that playoff run. Mm-hmm. 28.1 in the second one. That one was with KD. Mm-hmm. 25.5 in 2017-18 mm-hmm. when they won those three. Those are great numbers. Those are great I'm sorry. Numbers. Like those, those are, are those are those strong are playoff no, numbers. Those are great numbers. They're they're great numbers. But who was the MVP of those two final and uh, championships that they won? Kevin. But Durant. I didn't say. But I didn't say that he should have won those finals MVPs. That was definitely Kevin Durant. The first one, he should have won. What the was finals his numbers MVP. in the first? What was his numbers in the first one? And bring up uh, Speedy. Bring up Andre Iguodala's numbers and what Andre Iguodala did in the finals that year. I, I, because I, you're looking at Steph Curry. I'm looking at the guy that shut down LeBron James when he needed. He did, to. But you just said it yourself. No. Thirty-three points, twelve assists, nine rebounds. Thirty-three. That's points. not shutting down LeBron. It, did you Did you watch Game Six? Did you watch Game Six? Did you see what he did? To I don't LeBron watch James? basketball. I'm a badminton fan. Uh, of yeah. course, I watch. But all this right, is what I do. So, so this is what I do. All right, so you watch Game Six. Badminton. So you saw what he did in Game Six. You saw what he did in Game Six. So he, he, just, shut- he should he should win the Finals MVP just based on Game Six, or should he win the or or should it be the whole finals? Well, here's the thing. Does Steph Curry play defense? Is he a good defensive player? 
Is he a good team defensive player? He's not. And two-way playing when it comes to the NBA, especially the playoffs, that's where it takes you to that next level. And Steph Curry has never defined himself as a defensive player. And when you look and you try to compare him to guys like even Kevin Durant, who's not a defensive player, when he needs to take it to the next level, Kevin Durant plays defense. He will shut down uh, the, the player that he's defending. We've seen him do it. We saw it even last year against Milwaukee. At some points, he shut down the Greek freak. 16.3 points a game, 5 Point eight rebounds, four assists in that series for Iguodala. Mm-hmm. That's not great numbers for like, like that's a dude. He that's plays two way basketball. Defense wins championships. Why did they you win? Give it to Draymond then. Draymond, Draymond. <laughs> like, I mean, Mister, I, mean, I will step on your. You know what? To get you out of the game, you're going to give it to him. Give well, me a break. LeBron should win you MVP know. for being a crybaby and complaining about it. Do mm. not no, like. But here's the thing: if you want to make the case. In while losing the finals, and LeBron should have won the MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because those were amazing numbers. But don't come to me and tell me Iguodala was the finals MVP in that series when the fact is LeBron still was putting up monster numbers throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's. It doesn't matter. Just one game is not enough of a sample to say, hey, Andre Iguodala is a finals MVP. If we're going to award it to the winner, which a lot of writers tend to do it. You got to win to be able to do it. The only time we've had a finals MVP go to the loser was Jerry West back in the 70s. It's the only time. That's it. It's just that one. Mm-hmm. When you have that mentality, it's got to be Steph. Steph's the guy that's the only reason why they won the finals. Is the only reason why they got to the finals. It's just that simple. It's Steph Curry should have been the finals MVP in that year. Why did they bring Andre Iguodala back to the team this year? I, I want to ask because they had a bad team last year. They didn't they play had a bad any team. defense so last year. So you think a thirty-eight or thirty-seven-year-old Andre Iguodala is going to make a difference to this defensively, team? Defensively, absolutely, absolutely. Defensively in the playoffs is something that they don't do. They don't play defense. They don't play. He's not going to take shots. Um, oh God, Andre Iguodala. If you look at what Andre Iguodala has done when when he when we was on the team and when he was on the team, they were uh, a championship competitive team. When Andre Iguodala left the team, what was he off the team for two or three years? Yeah, what did they really do? Like four different teams, what, what, yeah. what did they do? Did they? Did you're, you're 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 mixing that up with yeah, but that, Kevin Durant leaving and Clay Thompson getting absolutely. hurt. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's a very Absolute, it's a very absolutely. it's a very convenient argument to make with and he got robbed of another and, if, and, and if you're a superstar player, you take your team to that next level. Honestly, look, you you say the Eastern Conference, that's fine. Julius Randle. Julius Randle took the New York Knicks to a fourth seed when they shouldn't have even made the playoffs, okay? Yes, they lost against Atlanta. By the way, Trey Young took his team to the Eastern Conference Championship with who? Who does he have on his team? John Nobody. Collins. Oh, give me a break. Clint John Capella. Collins. Oh, yeah, Clint Capella. DeAndre Hunter. Unbelievable. These guys are superstar players. Cam Reddish. Superstar players. Unbelievable. Herder. And look what they did. They went all the way to Easter Conference Championship. So, honestly, if you're a great player, that's the way I look at it. You're a superstar player. You, no matter where you play, you take your team to the next level. You make everybody around you better. Steph Curry does not make everybody around him better. But he Damian makes, Lillard does. I, I didn't say that, but Damian Lillard has been the best point guard in the league for the last three or four and, years. And, and has yet to make it to the NBA Finals. That's Went fine. to one conference finals, got swept by the Steph Curry Warriors. And what Warriors. superstar has he played with? And don't say C.J. McCollum. No, I'm not. I wasn't. Right, okay. I wasn't. All right, but all right, but, but, when, you're, but when you're going to go to last season, okay. you want to look at last season, who on Curry's team is a superstar? 
What do you mean? Who who's on Curry? You everybody who, who says her, Curry was the MVP candidate. I don't know how he he, he was he was over John, uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul should have been an MVP candidate. With the Devin fact, Booker, uh, Chris Paul was the best player on the team. He was the reason why they went to the finals last year. But he Chris was a, Paul has Devin Booker and. Steph had Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. Uh, we're, we're, we're losing, Wiggins, but we're Draymond losing sight of everything. Yeah. We're losing sight of everything. No. Just when you look at the, the Warriors last season, mm-hmm. who on that team besides Steph Curry is going to score on that team? Who's uh, Andrew Wiggins is not a bad offensive player. Come is he on, not? Man. Like Andrew Wiggins isn't a guy that you're going to count not. on. 17, He's never 18 really... points a game. What's, who's the other guy that they got from Oklahoma City? Oubre. Oubre. He's a pretty good offensive He's player. He's gone now. He was terrible but last season. He, Come on. He, what, did he, what did he score last year? What was First it? half he was good. The second half he was bad. Right? He, he scored. He scored and it's help, being helpful are two different things. I can score. Doesn't mean I'm helpful. It's a whole different deal. Like this whole thing. And he started out the season, Oubre, terribly shooting from three. Who was the next? Like he didn't make... Who was the next second leading scorer last year? Was it Eric Rose? No. Who was it? It was R.J. Barrett. How many points did he average last year? Well, if I didn't know who the second, I don't know the, his number. Average seventeen of my head. points ahead. a game. Seventeen points a game to uh, Julius Randle. And by the way, Eric, I'm not answering. We have a guest on the phone. We're not putting you through. Okay, so okay. <laughs> I'm not putting you on the phone. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of Steph Curry lovers here, and I'm just speaking the truth of what I see of Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is a fantastic player, generational shooter, no question that he is. But to compare him to one of the greatest point guards of all time, he's not better than Isaiah Thomas. He's not better than Magic Johnson. He's not better than John Stockton. He's not better than the greats. He's not better than Jason Kidd. He, he's not. And I'm, I'm sorry, when I look at the point guard, I look at two-way basketball, a guy that can pass the ball and score. He He's not a two-way basketball player. He's a great scorer. He's not a two-way. He, he can steal, too. He gets, what, an average of two steals a game. But his all-around game, I don't put him with the greats. Now, is Then it why t- is Damian Lillard the best point guard in the NBA right now? Because he doesn't play any defense. He plays better defense than Steph Curry. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Really? If we look he at does, percentages? He, he, if we look at percentages, it, it, is, he, is he that No, much? he's not in good help position. Mm-hmm. The team is one of the worst defensive teams in the league mm-hmm. last year. I think they were 28th or 29th in defensive rating. Mm-hmm. Warriors, by the way, finished in the top five defensive rating. That's which, oh, right. But Steph well, Curry happened to play a ton of minutes. Yeah. So it's not like you can't build a defense around Steph Curry, right? Dame was terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. So why, why is Damian Lillard the best point guard if he's not a two-way point guard? So you don't think J- Damian Lillard has the, the enough – uh, enough background to be the best point guard in the NBA? You don't You don't think that... No, I'm going by your definition no, but, of he has but, to be a two-way player. But uh, also, Why is Damian Lillard Damian not a two-way player? Damian Nobody Lillard would argue that. Damian Lillard didn't have a big man all season long last year, okay? And he's he been... Nurkic. Nurkic actually came back at the, in the middle of the half season, of the right? second half of the season. And, 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 and Mello. And the... And the Mello? Carmelo? Carmelo Anthony. We're talking about As Carmelo. a third option? Car- that no, was better defense. than what Curry had. Defense. defense. <laughs> oh, McCollum plays good two-way. Oh, nah, McCollum's not a good no, defender either. Not. Their backcourt defensively is terrible. It's uh, just that's it. That's, uh, why, uh, that's why the Blazers are never Blazers, going anywhere. And the Blazers don't have any size. They really didn't. Befi- besides Nurkic coming back, that was the problem with the, the Portland Trailblazers all these years. They don't have enough depth or size. The last time they had good depth and size was when Marcus Camby played on the team. Okay? And that's a long time ago. <laughs> No. A long time okay. ago. That's a deep cut. Yes. That was a deep pull. Yes. <laughs> uh, to me, I, I look at the war. Uh, now, uh, again, I'm not going at, an, I, an, again, I, I know a lot of Steph you, Curry fans. I, I, I agree with you. You know, I have no questions. You know Steph is great. We yes. just have a difference of, of, of that. Uh, and There's no question about that. And, and, and I know he's great. We, we know he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Uh, but 
again, when we're trying to compare him to the greatest point guards of all time, I can't sit here and I know how old are you, by the way? I I, I never asked. Forty. You're forty. I'm thirty nine. So we're around the same age. So right. we've watched we've watched some of the great teams play, and we talk about the bad boy Pistons uh, with Joe Dumars and obviously Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas, one of the best point guards who doesn't get mentioned a lot. No. I'm, listen, I'm not saying Steph's the best point guard in the uh, in the history of the NBA. Right, I know what but you're he's saying. in the com- but he's in the top five conversation. I can't. Okay? Put him you there. can now you can go different ways. I don't have Jason Kidd in the top five point guards. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just don't. It's not he's, he's he's not my guy. You know. But it's but this is the beauty of lists, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all gonna have different of lists. Course, but I think yeah. it, I think automatically it tops when you talk to me point guards. I'm looking at Isaiah Thomas. I'm looking at Magic Johnson. Those are probably the top two. John Stockton, phenomenal. I mean, there's no question. You said it from the beginning. Nobody's ever catching that assist record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming close to it. Right? Look how long Chris Paul has played, and he's still three or four thousand, three thousand assists away. Right, right. John Stockton deserves to be. In that conversation, like there's no there's no arguing that stuff, but Steph's right in there with the conversation in four or five in that in that area. And now you're just quibbling over. Now we're going to smaller details. Now, are you a Chris Paul guy or a Steph Curry guy or uh, Jason Kidd or um, who else are we talking? And at the same time, are we going to include LeBron in this point guard conversation? Because that's the position he plays. I think he's more of a – he's three. more like a three, four, five guy. I mean, he plays the point guard position. In the oh, playoffs, yeah. In the playoffs, yes, he's it, it just, the it becomes, point guard to ever play. I but mean, it's obviously. so hard to do this, right? But, like, the more important thing is we're lucky to get to watch all these guys. You and I are lucky for being able to see all these guys. And Eric, Eric – by the way, I'm sorry to cut in. Eric is saying I'm in Never Neverland. Eric, it's your opinion. You're an idiot anyways. You don't even know what you're talking about half the time. I can I can bite you on the butt by you looking up numbers on a computer doesn't mean that you know more than I do. And honestly, when I watched basketball, which by the way, I've watched basketball, it's my favorite sport. Everybody that knows me on this show knows that I am I'm a basketball guru when it comes to that. To sit here and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, you you obviously don't know what you're talking about. Because I could go back in time without looking at statistics on a computer and tell you what the numbers were each year from each player. So what does that tell me about you? You don't crap. And you don't know anything about what you're comparing to when you're trying to compare one player to another. Because like you were saying, Mo, when you look at define the 80s, 90s, and today, the game is completely different. And when you look at uh, the definition of players and understanding what players did in those times, and if Steph Curry played in the '90s, he might not be the same player he once was because the game was oh, different. Not even, not even close. Not even close. He wouldn't have been that guy, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, they would have been way more physical. With Absolutely, him. it's a whole different conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what's funny about the top seventy-five list. Mm-hmm. I actually. Um, Amin El Hassan from uh, Metal Lark Media, mm-hmm. former ESPN guy, was was had the best thing. He said they should have done it by decades. Right, should have been the top ten in each decade, and then you have five wild cards because mm-hmm. because it is so wildly different, right? Like you listen, just on pure talent, you can't compare Bob Cousy to some of the guys playing now, just because the game's completely different, mm-hmm. right? And everything that goes with it, and all those things. So you know when we're talking about it, and I'm just so glad you brought it up. Just the 80s, 90s, 2000s, to even now. Basketball has changed on so many levels. You know, if you told somebody in the 80s that we're going to have teams shooting 40 to 50 threes a game, mm-hmm. they would have looked at you going like, 
No, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Mm-hmm. You have to get closer to the basket for the shots. The three is just when we need it. You know, this is when they were averaging just two threes a game. Mm-hmm. Also, the body I mean, types like that's... as well. Would LeBron be the same athletic freak he is playing in the second? Yes. Yes, he would. You know? Yes, he would. I, 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 LeBron could transcend. Yes. Just because look at that body. His body is ridiculous. And, and, but he, mentally, and, he's kind of weak. Mentally, he's weak, but, you know, if Shaquille O'Neal slams on the ground, he's going to slam Shaquille O'Neal in the 90s on the ground, too. He's, he's just as big and strong as Shaquille O'Neal is. So that's the difference. LeBron James, you look at Steph Curry's body, and, and you look at Michael Jordan's body. Who do you think, if Michael Jordan played in these days, Michael Jordan would be averaging 50, 60 points a game. He would, because he'd be at the line all the time, because he'd be fouling him and putting a finger on him. All right, he's at the foul line. Shoot to three, three shots at the foul line. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous, uh, the the calls that they have right now. The referees are like little girls. If you put a finger on them, it's a flagrant foul. I remember when... I remember when Shaquille O'Neal threw Charles Barkley into the third row of the seats. <laughs> Houston, I yes. mean, now we know the origin of their feud. <laughs> and it wasn't even a technical. It wasn't a flagrant. It wasn't a technical foul. I mean, seriously, it was it was a foul. I mean, now uh, you're thrown out of the game if you do something like that. It, it's ridiculous the way the NBA has changed and transformed. I wish the NBA was like it was in the '90s. It was much more fun to watch. It was more defensively sound, and they took away putting your hand on a player. I mean, now you got to use your body you got to use your hip you got to tear your it just it doesn't make any sense the game was just so much more fun to watch in the 90s and the 80s than it is today Um, i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree about it being fun to watch in the 90s it was funner in the 80s when it was up and down Mm -hmm. the 90s became a very slow down methodical you you didn't like the 90s very 90s basketball wasn't very good. Like when you go back and watch it, which I did a whole bunch of that stuff during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, during quarantine, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I have a problem. I have a basketball problem. I have to watch basketball. So going through and watching those games, you had too too many games. NBA. I'm not a college guy. No, no. Uh, I'm saying basketball is anonymous. Do you need help? Oh, I mean, I, yes, I do. And I don't, because I'm not going to go, but like, yes, I'm not going to admit the problem. Um, The, the bigger thing is, you had too many games that are in like the eighties, right? In, in, in the, the system in the nineties and even the early two thousands. And here's the thing. I'm not a fan of the, the games being in the one thirties and one forties, what we've been having the past few years, kind of like where we're at right now with the rule changes that we've had so far this season, we've made it a little bit more physical. We've given defenses more chances to actually defend, which is something we didn't have over the last five years when offense just completely took over. I think we're getting back to that system of basketball that I think is going to be a lot more fun to watch just in that sense. Cause we're going to have games that more fun, more flow to it. And you're going to see defenses actually have a chance to, you know, actually defend. And, and here's another thing. And, and I see people putting on the feed. Now, uh, a lot of people, and I've, I've put my top 25 basketball players of all time. Oh. I, and, and I see, I see Eric putting do that. I put, let me speak and just shut up over there. I have, I, in my top 10, I never put Kobe Bryant. Cause there's so many great basketball players, even of my time that I never got a chance Bill Russell's, uh, the uh, Will, Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain's, all the great players that we never, a lot of players never got it. Jerry West, nobody even watched him play. Pistol Pete, if there was a three-point line, he was the Steph Curry of that time. So mm-hmm. when I go and I look at, ba- I look back at some of the great basketball players in my top ten, I wouldn't put Kobe Bryant because there were so many dominant players. First of all, was Kobe Bryant the best two guard of all time? He wasn't. 
Michael Jordan was, okay? And then you have Tim Duncan, who was the best power forward. Some people would say Carl Malone was the best offensive player to ever play the game. I mean, then you have Another one uh, you Kareem, think is overrated. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem, I, I, I think he is, but he, that's all he did. He didn't play defense. Then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was a great two-way player and a great offensive player. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. I mean, we could go off on everything. So Kobe Bryant might have been one of the best two guards uh, and might have been one of the greatest players that we've seen in the last 20 years. But what, when you look at the last 60 years of the NBA and the greatest players of all time, I'm sorry, I'm not putting him in my top 10. Shaquille O'Neal, I could argue that he was the best center of all time, but I would put him over there. He was the most dominant player in six years. And by the way, he won the three MVPs when they won the title. It wasn't Kobe, it was him. Then when he left... Kobe won the championships with the team that he had, the the different players that he played with. So, again, you have your opinion on what you think Kobe Bryant is, and I have my opinion. I don't say I don't think Kobe. I I'm not saying Kobe Bryant is not one of the greatest twenty players of all time. He was. There's I can't take that away from him of what he was. But when I look at the greatest players of all time. I'm sorry, I'm not putting him in my top 10. And I'm sure other people would disagree, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me. I know a lot of, I know two people that didn't put Kobe Bryant in their top 25. They're idiots. No, they're not. Those two are out of their mind. Really? Because you're a Kobe Bryant fan. (laughs) No. That's what you are. There's no way in hell Kobe's not a top 25 player. (laughs) That's your opinion. That's your opinion. You could make the argument he's not top 10. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can make the argument he's not in the top 15. That's I, but you can make the argument he's not in the top I put 10. Him, I put him 16 or 17 on my list. That's where I put him. Oh, okay. That's well, I, I I, again, and list again, totally subjective, right? It's all, or, it's all of us, kind of everybody has their own stuff. But listen, if you value scoring, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar should be number one, mm-hmm. right? All-time scoring leader, everything, you know, nobody, and nobody's touching that record. I mean, LeBron's going to come close, but I don't think he's going to get to it. Carl Malone certainly tried, didn't get to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have so many other guys just looking down, everybody you name all have a case to be in the top 10. Mm-hmm. There's no arguing that stuff. You know, no. it's not, it's, it's, it's what I love about it is the league is so damn good mm-hmm. that we actually have too many people for those spots. Of right. Course, like yes. sometimes when somebody talks to, talks to me going like, name your top 10, I go like, I can, but I have like 25 guys for the 10, yeah. you know, and, and, and on a different day in a different mood, I might have somebody else somewhere else, you know, in, in the rankings and things like that. Kobe, I have him in the top 15. I've, I don't, I try to stay away from this whole exercise anyways, because mm-hmm. it goes back to what, you, what we were saying before. Errors are just so different and the game is so different yes. each time, each decade and mm-hmm. each kind of era that it, it it's hard to just kind of compare those two. And I'm just not smart enough to do it. Others I, maybe, I'm not that guy. I have Kobe. I think I had Kobe at 16 or 16. 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Where, I, where I had him. And, and, and it's right, right on the cusp of 15. I just, I look at the greatest, even. I never saw Bill Russell play, but I heard about what Bill Russell did sure. with the Celtics. I never really got to see some of these guys play, but I seen Larry Bird play at the top of his game. He was unbelievable. Magic Johnson, unbelievable. We forget some of the great players. Uh, David Robertson, when he was at the top of the game, he was special. I mean, yep. there were a lot of special players in the league. So when I look at the greatest basketball players of all time, I'm sorry I'm not putting Kobe Bryant in the top 10. That doesn't mean that I won't put him in my top 20. He was in my top 20. So – for and at, where did I put Curry? Of all time, 10. 
You want to put him at point guard? I put him at 10 because I'll take nine guys over Steph Curry at my point guard. You want to know, Eric, where I think I think he is? I think I'm at 10 or 11 of greatest point guards of all time. I, I look at other point guards. I want to see the greatest. When I look at point guards, I want to see two-way basketball. I want to see a guy that could shoot and make everybody around him better. That's where I look at the point guard position. Point guard is the guy that passes the ball, and he's the admiral. He's the guy that's a leader on the court. No, David Robinson's the admiral. <laughs> So you should love Rondo then. What do you mean? Because Rondo does all of that. I, I like Rondo, but Rondo as his his all around game, Rondo is not even close to the top no, thirty. I understand. But everything of all you time. just described yes. is Rajon Rondo. But here's the problem with Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo had a problem with his offensive game. He didn't have an offensive game. He he was a great defensive player, great passer, uh, great rebounder for a guy his size. Didn't have an offensive game. And when you look at when he made you, everybody around him better. That's right, but he didn't have an offensive. If Rondo scored twenty something points a game, Rondo's one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game. But he's not. He's still one of the greatest point guards I think to ever play. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not going to be thought of as top. He's not going to be. He's not going to be thought of. No, he's not. No, he's not going to be thought of as top. Top fifteen, Rondo, Rajon Rondo. I think so. He's not even a Hall of Famer. He's not right. Rondo's a absolutely a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. <laughs> Mo, is Rondo a Hall of Famer? Everybody's a Hall of Famer in the NBA. Our standards are so low in the NBA. In That's true. Basketball, Hall of Famer. Yeah, basketball I might, I might make it as a Hall of Famer. It doesn't, you know, it's just like the standard is so low. Everybody coach just anytime. got in. What's that? Ku coach just got in. Rondo's I mean, not better than coach, Tony. He was coach? the first foreign, like the real big first foreign player. It, Right, he also might have European accolades too. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of NBA. stuff, right? It goes European. It's the Naismith Hall of Fame, right. not the NBA one, exactly. right? So it becomes right. that's how you get a lot of these international guys who've had okay careers in the NBA, but were phenomenal in Europe and uh, Olympics and things like that. Like Melo's going to make it just on the strength of four Olympic gold medals. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's there's going to be that stuff. The, it wouldn't shock me, I should say, if Rondo makes the Hall of Fame. I probably wouldn't have him in my Hall of Fame. He's not, but. It's just the way the NBA, I mean, Ben Wallace made it like everybody, you know, the questions where it gets tough, you know, like, does Iguodala make it just on the strength of the finals MVP? Like, does it, you know, it's, there's, there's a whole, there's going to be a lot of those guys that make it. My problem with the NBA, with just the hall of fame is the standard is so low. That's not, it's just like when everybody's like, oh, somebody got nominated. I go like, okay, they'll make it. Yeah. Like it's just, I'm shocked when you leniency. did it. They need some of that leniency into baseball because baseball's the other way around. They're too yeah. <laughs> Hockey too. I mean, Pierre Turgeon, we were, I was just talking, I was talking to Tyler, Tyler about still it. Not in. Pierre Turgeon has 540 something goals and 600 and some I assist. He should be in the Hall of Fame. That's Hall yeah. of Fame numbers. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm. It doesn't make any sense how the NHL works on who goes to the Hall of Fame and who doesn't. It's but, weird because they're the same way. The Hockey Hall of Fame is not just the NHL. It's all the same thing like we were saying with the NBA. It's, it's crazy. also international, too. It's crazy. Yager could get in twice. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Mo, I, I have a, another question for you. We look for at it. We look at the league and, and how it's transformed into a three-point league. And now people are talking about, well, the three-point line's too too easy to shoot. Now, there were stories coming out that the NBA, I think it was a year ago, that the NBA was thinking about maybe making a four-point line or right. a five-point line uh, because of distant shooting and, and making the game a little bit more fun to watch, which I think it's a clown game, and it's a circus now, the way these guys shoot. You have Steph Curry shooting half-court. Now all these guys, you have Trey, Trey Young doing it. You have all these guys doing it. Do you see the NBA... Uh, adding a four-point line, a five-point line, or, or, or trying to transition the game and maybe pushing back the three-point line to make it harder to shoot the three? I actually don't see it. 
I don't I don't see that happening. And if you're looking at what's going on in the league right now, just the offense is coming down, right? Like offense has slowed down at the start of this season compared to last season and the year before. So it's you know, it, it all comes down to just how do you let the game become be officiated? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest change along those lines. It's, you know, letting the guys actually play defense, putting their hands on these guys a little bit. They're getting away with a little bit more defensively with the holding and the grabbing and things that go with that. I don't think we're going to see an expansion of the three-point line. I know somebody, somebody had talked about setting up the line so it gets rid of the corner three and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and everything that goes with it. I don't see the court dimensions changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're just going to stay with that. And I think it's just going to come down to how do we officiate the game? Because scoring went up because they got rid of the hand check. Right. Right. And, 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 and that was a product of that. If you brought the hand check back, just immediately scoring would drop on mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. But we're already seeing it now with the rules changes that the scoring has come down. And it's early, still early sample size. It's seven or eight games in for some of these teams. We'll see it. At the end of the year, we can kind of just decide where the offense went. I think offense will get going better offensively as the year goes. But I just don't think that's our that's not a concern to me. Like when they talk about that stuff, I just think, no, just stay with where we're at. The game itself, the court itself is fine. It's it's us who screw it up in terms of how we officiate it, how we let the game be officiated. This is a good, this is, I'm sorry, Speedy, but I have a question for you because I think it's it's a really good question. If you were to pick five guys, okay – to start on your all NBA team of all time, from point guard, you, you get a point guard, you get a two guard, a two, a three, a four, and a five. Who who is your team of of the greatest NBA team that you can form out of all the players that you have? Okay, and this is guys like I love, so it's yes. not necessarily yeah. like greatest of all times. I don't need statistical numbers and things to come at me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But Magic Johnson, point guard. I grew up a diehard Laker fan. That's it's Magic. I would agree um, with you. Yes, you don't get LeBron if you don't have Magic. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest in everything that goes with it. Two guard, it's got to be MJ, mm-hmm. right? Like, just I mean, I am you know, it's it's watching him the way he plays, everything that goes with it. Three, I'm probably going to go a little bit undersized, but I've Always loved him. I loved him when I was working with the Spurs. Manu Ginobili. Really? Ooh, wow. Manu. Nice. Wow. The man just makes stuff happen. Mm. He just makes plays happen. Defensively, he's it's chaotic, but defensively he makes plays. He gets to the left so easily. Everybody knows he's going left. Nobody has ever been able to stop the man that entire career mm. going that way. I am picking another spur because I do think he's the greatest power forward of all time, mm-hmm. yep. Tim Duncan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's debatable to mm-hmm. me. I, I, I don't think we're there. And, you know, and again, I'm, I'm slanted awfully just because I grew up on the West Coast. Shaq's my center. And a lot of people would look at that. And I and a lot of people, Shaq was just on the, um, I forget what show. It was the TNT show, but it was, it was another show after the TNT show. I mm-hmm. forget what they call it, uh, the NBA Today or whatever the heck they do. And 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 I think Kenny Johnson, uh, Kenny Johnson, Kenny, it was, Smith. Kenny Smith said, um, <laughs> Kenny Smith said that who would be who if you were to go on your top three greatest Lakers of all time, where would you put yourself? Would you put yourself in the top three? And he says, I put myself as number one. Now, I, when when you look at the dominance of what Shaquille O'Neal was for six years, I don't think there was any Laker as dominant as him for the six years he dominated the league. I don't think yes. it was. And, and I don't think people actually give him the proper credit, especially because towards the end of the career when he got right. big and heavy and a little bit slower. Yes. He was so agile mm-hmm. for a seven foot, 
290 pound dude. Mm-hmm. Like he was able to just the spins, the, the a little bit more acrobatic than people really remember and things like that. Like he was doing stuff at seven feet where you're like, damn, okay. That's, that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. I didn't know you could move that way mm-hmm. physically. And when you just go top Lakers, I mean, the, the center history with Lakers, Great. you can go, mm-hmm. you can go so deep in, in that sense just there as some of the best centers in the game ever to have played mm-hmm. are Lakers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, if it wasn't Shaq, I would have gone Kareem. Like, right. it's just that close. I mean, some of these young guys, some of these guys that are around our age, they don't even know who Elgin Baylor is. I mean, mm-hmm. Elgin right. Baylor was one of the greatest uh, three, four guys that ever played in the game, defensively, offensively. But people don't know who he is because they weren't alive to see him play. So And, and not a lot of footage. No, there is not a lot of footage. And my grandfather used to tell me, uh, when he we would talk basketball, you know, my grandfather in the '90s, and I was trying to say, well, you know, uh, you know, Charles Barkley and all these guys. Hey, come on, he, he every time I would name a small forward, he would name another small forward in the in the '70s, in the '80s, where or the '60s that were dominant. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is, you know. But <laughs> right. and 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 that's. That's what's so special about what, when you see the pastime, even with baseball, you go from the 40, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, all the way. And that's why w- when the decades go away, you, can't really, you really can't compare and contrast some of these players because the game completely changed. So that's what made the game so special. I kind of went in on this. I'm sorry? I said I kind of went in on this. Go ahead. Speak up. Well, no, I'm just saying. I think we should all give our top fives, no? Or go our ahead. Lineups, go watch your top five. I know Kobe Bryant's in your top five, so go ahead. Well, it's not top five. It's obviously, I mean, Manu wouldn't, no offense, Mo, but I don't think no, Manu's on many people's. That's fine. It's a unique take. We, no, we I, I, I agree Who's with Who's your starting five? Let's so, hear. I would probably go, I, there's going to be a common theme here. Isaiah Thomas would be my point guard. Mm-hmm. The original one, not the guy that. We know who you're right, talking okay. about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJ would be two. Mm-hmm. Kobe would be three. Or vice versa. I don't really care how they go. But Kobe would whatever. My power forward is going to be Kevin Garnett, even though I know Duncan's better. But I'm going to give, go Garnett. And then I would probably go – yeah, I would go Shaq. I would go Shaq. Speedy, who's, who's your all top right. five of all Now, time? question. Are we allowing LeBron point guard eligibility? Just play, yes, whatever. You okay. can do whatever you want. I'll do, I'll do LeBron, Jordan uh, is two, Larry Bird three, Duncan, and Kareem. I would do – I would put Magic Johnson as my starting point guard. i put Michael Jordan as my two, absolutely the greatest basketball player ever. I would put LeBron James as my three because uh, the dominance of what he could do and, and, and do, de- defend multiple positions. I, I would also think of putting Scottie Pippen there because he, mm. he was a dominant defensive player too, and I would put him on anybody, and he'd probably stick him. Also, Kevin Durant. You know, you could put Kevin Durant there too. Uh, but I, my, my, my power forward would be Tim Duncan. It's not even a question. He, I think he's the greatest point power forward to ever play the game. And at my center position, I would probably put Bill Russell because he was the anchor and, and he was a defensive-minded player. And with all the offensive players that I have, I need an anchor. And I think he'd be my anchor with Tim Duncan. So. Uh, Jeff, I just did pick Larry Bird, but okay. <laughs> um, Larry Bird is special. And, I, I, Larry, and I've seen some footage of Larry Bird that I, it just makes him even look even more unbelievable when you watch him. I don't think a lot of people have seen how special Larry Bird really was. And even as a 3-4 guy, how he saw the field. And right. he, he was a general and a point guard at his position. He was special. But um, it's very hard to put it, you're in the top five. I put Larry Bird on my bench. 
absolutely yeah. would. There's a lot of a lot of guys that have forgotten about it. One of the other big men we didn't even mention that I think is right right with Kareem probably Kareem right, right there is Elijah Wan. So I would put Elijah Wan's another one. There's just so yeah, many. No one we have Will so many. Name. Will Chamberlain. Here's right. a problem with Will Chamberlain, and I'm going to say this again. First of all, Will Chamberlain couldn't beat Bill Russell. Okay, he had a problem beating Bill Russell. And 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 that's that's a difference. And how many big men were in the NBA when Will Chamberlain played? They were not many. Right. Yeah. They were not many. That's why so, a lot of people don't think of him as the top five. Yeah. They might think of him as top so, ten. So Will yeah. Chamberlain scored fifty and fifty or whatever the heck he did in the game. Yeah. The one the one hundred point game. But the second the, <laughs> the second big guy on the court was probably six foot six, six foot right. seven. Exactly. So he towered over them. So. That was the difference. But he had problems beating Bill Russell, the other big man. So, it, honestly, I'm taking Bill Russell over Will Chamberlain. I'm taking Bill Russell over Shaquille, even though I think Shaquille was so dominant at, 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 the, at the position. Here. And, a lot, and I, again, I would say Olajuwon. You look at Olajuwon. Also, Kariba Dolja-Bard could have been... Right. Could have been a five or a four. You could put, and he's one of the greatest. He's my third best player, player all time after Jordan LeBron. It, it, it's special. So. I mean, that's a fair. That's a fair yeah. uh, mm-hmm. assessment. Again, there's just so many different guys mm-hmm. you can go with. Mm-hmm. It's just how good the league's been, mm-hmm. and, and you know, also, for, for so long. And also the positions and the way they defend those positions. You have to look at that too. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was great at his position. I mean, LeBron could defend multiple positions. Tim Duncan can defend multiple positions, uh, and, and that's why I picked Bill Russell because he was. The be- some people say the greatest defensive player to ever play in the game. Okay, and you put an anchor like that on my 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 all offensive team. I'm winning every single game because he's, they're gonna they're gonna guard the perimeter and they're they're gonna guard guard the boards and they're gonna rebound. So that's what you want. So it's crazy how the NBA has completely transitioned so many different ways, and that's what makes the NBA so special. And that's why I love it so much. A lot of people say, you know, I was a hockey player and I followed hockey. But I know you probably don't know much about me. Uh, I played. Mm-hmm. I, I played. I, I played at the top levels of hockey before I hurt my knee, and, and people would think that hockey was my favorite sport. Growing up, basketball was my love, and it was something that I, I fell in love with the Knicks when I was in, in 1988. I, I fell in mm-hmm. love with it, and when Pat Riley took over as the head coach from the L.A. Lakers, the great L.A. Lakers teams, right. I, so I really – I mean, with Kiki Vanderway, Xavier McDaniel – and, and, and people, Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley when he was traded from the Chicago Bulls, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, those teams. And I hated Charles Smith, by the way. Couldn't stand him. I don't even like mentioning his name because it couldn't end the late <laughs> if his life depended on it. But um, when I watched the Knicks, it was just something special when you, when you watch a whole team play. And I wish the NBA kind of transitioned into that. It's not like it used to be. And unfortunately, it's become – uh, uh, what do they call it? A trio game or a shooters league? Uh, not, not even three you point have, league. No, yeah. you, you, you these three, yeah. superstars hated each other in the game. Okay, Isaiah Thomas would never play with Michael Jordan. You would never right. see that. Uh, Isaiah Thomas would never play with um, Patrick Ewing. Okay, he would never play with them. But you know, now these days, everyone's you know, friends. Yeah, everybody's friends. Yeah. They're lovers. They're uh, they're. They're they're the best man, or their 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 son's best, uh, you know, godfather. I mean, it's it's different. The game's different now, and I I think it's hurt the game. I think it really has hurt the game. What are your thoughts to it? I don't I don't think it it, it doesn't help, but in the sense of like rivalries and things like that, we don't have those anymore. Although it's going to be a lot of fun watching Trey Young go at Knicks fans, of course, for for, for quite a while. Yes. Like that's that's going to be a lot of fun. It's fun to see the Knicks being good in the Garden and everything alive. You know, I think we're 
we've kind of lost that a little bit. And I put a lot of that more on like just the time at AAU basketball right. and everything that has gone to it and, and things like that. But I'm going to push back a little bit on like these guys wouldn't necessarily team up. Now, MJ probably wouldn't team up with Isaiah Thomas because they absolutely hated each other. Right. But like, say Scottie Pippen never became a bull. Right. Like at a certain point, there would have been that. It was also, again, a very different time in terms of the way free agency was done. You didn't have that much player movement. There wasn't that much changing from team to team in terms of free agency and constantly leaving. Right. And your star player, Patrick Ewing, was a Nick forever. I mean, the last guys who really kind of done it were Reggie Miller, Dirk Nowitzki and Kobe Bryant kind of staying with the one team their entire careers. Look, Charles Barkley played in the 80s, had that attitude. Mm -hmm. He get me out, went to Phoenix to go win a, a, a championship, went to Houston to chase a ring. Scottie Pippen, after his run with the Bulls, went to Portland to try to go win another ring, went to Houston again to team up and try to do that. A little bit kind of revisionist history, but it's just that there wasn't so much player movement back then. Mm-hmm. Now there's just a ton more. And I don't, I don't know how often we're going to have a player that's going to be with this team his entire career. Right. You know, I, I think those are going to be rarities and, and, you know, I don't know how, I mean, Udonis Haslam will be the last guy because I don't think he's going to retire for 10 more years for the, the heat. He's just going to be chilling on their bench, you know, uh, as grandpa. But like, I think that's, you know, a, a rarity in what we're going to have, but I don't think we've lost too much in the game in terms of competitiveness. Cause we've seen a lot of ton of fun trash talk. Look at Joel and B trolling these dudes, you know, and going at guys, you know, and telling Andre Drummond, you know, I own property in your head, you know, and, and, and oddly enough, Andre Drummond's his teammate now. Very weird, you know, and that's all odd. But like there's there's a bunch of that stuff throughout the league and things like that. And, you know, a lot of guys have all said, hey, I'm never going to go join a super team and then go join a super team. I just think that's sort of the the product of the league we're in. But I don't think it's bad. Like we have really great basketball right now. Like the basketball itself to me is great. The product on the floor is awesome, especially this season. I think, you know, we got tons of amazing young players across the board. I'm super excited to see the these young guys like Trey Young, like Luka Doncic kind of continue on with everything. I mean, Giannis is like 25. He's still a baby, you know. Um, I think, you know, you're, we're going to have a long run with some very talented guys in the NBA. I kind of just look at talent-wise, we're in like the golden age right now of the really? NBA because it feels like every team has a guy that you look at going like, dude, that's a hell of a ball player. Mm-hmm. The team may suck, but that dude there is a hell of a ball player across the board. I think talent is so spread out around the league. That's not something we could say back in the day, right? Like we had the same teams making the finals in the eighties, you know, the, the, the bulls nonstop run in the nineties and things like that. There was always kind of a same constant of these are the top teams this year, this time around, I feel like we have more talent spread around. I just think the 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 gap in terms of like the worst players in the eighties and nineties hmm. couldn't play in this era now, just because like the talent level has jumped up. Hmm. You know, and they've all are just very good at playing basketball, and so I think you know we're we're heading for some real fun times. There was not a final in the eighties without the Celtics or Lakers. <laughs> I mean, that alone. Right. And then it's like, you know, so you kind of have that stuff. You had six years of the Bulls. You know, the the Knicks made it one year. Orlando made it another when Jordan retired. And it was the uh, the Olajuwon run those two years. But like, you know, you just have 
it, it, but there were just few teams that were really good. I was a Laker fan during the nineties. We were bad after magic retired. Mm -hmm. We weren't good till 96 and we weren't really a championship team till 99. So it's when Shaq came, I mean, Shaq came in 96. We weren't that good. Even it took us until we got Phil Jackson and then really started to grow Mm -hmm. and into becoming a championship team. But you know, there, there's a run of just like we went 10 years and we were terrible. The Celtics were terrible throughout all of that run. And for most of the 2000s. The Knicks have been terrible for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks are a whole other thing. I didn't want to, I didn't want to pour, throw no, some, you know. You let, could say it, I'm a Knicks fan. I, I mean, yeah. the Knicks have been yeah. terrible. Or at least the Knicks know how to sell years. their playoff tickets, unlike the Nets. You know? um, well, I mean, the best well, part about the Knicks now is y'all won one playoff game and it's phenomenal. It's just pandemonium in the streets. I love it. Mm. Oh, the Nick fan. One thing you can always expect: if the Knicks are winners, the fans go crazy. In any sport, the Nick fans are just absolutely crazy. I, I, I could say that as a Nick fan. My last question for you before we let you go: Obi Toppin, and uh, I like what I see with the kid. Uh, you see his development. Last year, he barely played. Uh, he came in for like eight minutes, but this year, he's slowly but surely they're starting to play him in the fourth quarter with Julius Randle on the court. What are your thoughts to Obi Toppin? Do you think that this kid could be a star in this league moving forward in the next couple of years? I don't know if he could be a star and I don't mean this to to take a shot at him in any way, right? Because like, give him a ton of credit. Like you said, barely played last season. Had some moments in that Atlanta series where I was like, okay, there's something coming along here. You know, worked his butt off all through the offseason and has earned Tibbs respect and 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 trust to be able to get out there and play him in the fourth quarter. And he's a great energizer guy, great energy, things like that. I just think being a star in this league is really difficult. I just don't know if he has that. You know, I think RJ Barrett has a chance to be a star, but I don't know if Obi Toppin does, Hmm. you know, and, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have a chance to be, have a long career in the NBA and have a role as a guy that can help a team. It doesn't mean that's, that's not what I'm saying. He can do that. It's just a star is a whole other Star is a guy we're looking at going like, yo, he might make some all-star teams. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And Mo, uh, you're awesome. And we went back and forth. It's so I it, love it. I, I love it. I love arguing about when it comes to basketball and the future and the past and, and, and really where the NBA. And I, I want I can't wait until the next LeBron James comes into the league or Michael Jordan comes into the league. He's here already. Who? Luka Doncic. I, I Gonna transcend the league. I, Luka Doncic's awesome. been in the league for a couple of years. I, I, he's a great player. I don't know if he's gonna transcend the league. He'll be just fine. Wow. He's a special player, but it is just. I, I'm talking about a guy like when when LeBron James came into the league. You after watching him his first year, you knew he was gonna be special. You just knew it. Um, I, I I don't think we've seen a guy that's really gonna take the reins. When my when, even when Kobe Bryant came into the league, I knew Kobe was gonna be good, but I didn't. No, he was going to be great until his third or fourth year when he really just, you know, the pandemonium and the crazy, the, the craziness of the jams and, and what he did in Madison Square Garden. That's when the whole transition of Kobe Bryant's career completely changed. So I don't know if we've seen anybody like that. And I, 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 I'm looking forward. Maybe it's LeBron James' son, Bronny. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe he's I have the next. Doubts, but <laughs> what, what, yeah. <laughs> I, before I want to, I want to let you go. I want, I want the fans to. I want, I want you to tell the fans how they can find you on social media. And I'd love to get you back on the show. What makes you think that Bronny isn't going to be a good NBA player? I, I, I don't think he just has it. Like he's here in the West Coast. I, I hear very little recruiting buzz along those lines mm-hmm. and things like that. And mm-hmm. listen, part of it is he's LeBron James's kid. Mm-hmm. 
the expectations are already unfair from day one, right? Like in that sense, same way as Michael Jordan's kids didn't make it into the league. You know, um, you know, Jeffrey Jordan, I think played at Illinois for a little bit and that was it. You know, he just got arrested by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like what a week ago, two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, he got arrested. I wouldn't have brought it up. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't need to make that worse. But like, but I think when you just look at it, it's just, he just doesn't have that total talent skill level Mm. to get there. Now he might get a couple opportunities because of his name and, 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 you know, being the son of LeBron James and things like that. But I don't think we'll see him much in the NBA career level stuff. We we got a ton of amazing young talent already. Mm. Like we've already touched on just some of the names and, I'm old, so I can't remember everybody, you know, but we, we got a fun run in, in this league. So not, I'm not too worried about the talent. A greens green from Houston. Looks like he's going to be a special player. I can tell you that right now. I really like what I see with him. And I saw him in the G league last year. He's special. And I think he's the best player in that draft. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. You can find me at mode mode, underscore NBA M O D A K H I L underscore NBA. That's where you'll find all my stuff. I tweet out all my work there. I do a Twitch stream Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. West Coast, running through games. Just come on through. Just follow me on Twitter. You'll always see my stuff. Well, I'd love to get you back on the show. I love my arguing back and forth. The Steph Curry. Anytime. You're awesome. <laughs> I, I have to say your knowledge is, uh, being that we're, all, we're practically the same age, your knowledge is unbelievable. And definitely love to get you back on the show and talk more NBA basketball with you. Anytime you guys want. Absolutely. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, guys. We were just talking to the Athletic NBA podcast host and Bleacher Report NBA writer, Mo Dacchio. He, he, he was fun. Uh, there was a lot of arguing. Yeah. Uh, but you want to know something? The the knowledge that he has, uh, I, I, I can't really argue his knowledge. He, not, a, not to bash other guests, yeah. but I think this has been the best day of guests we've had. Uh, for this, for with since you've been here, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yes, absolutely, and they're both very good. And mm-hmm. and Mo, you know, it was it was funny because oh, yeah. he got very <laughs> he got very intense to it and too. And, and and listen, there there are a lot of people that love Steph Curry. I, I and I don't hate on them because they love him. He's a special player. I'm not taking away his talents, but what i don't like is when i look and i look at the greatest point guards of all time and i'm comparing them to some of the greats i'm sorry i, I would put steph curry in my top 10 i would say 10 or you know, maybe on the outskirts 11 but i i just i have so many other guys that i would take over him that plays the game two ways and and i'm sorry as good as steph curry is as a shooter and he i guess you want to put him as a point guard fine he's a point guard if you put him as a point guard, you got to do all point guard things, and he don't. So that's that's the difference between him, Jason Kidd, him, Isaiah Thomas, him, John Stockton, and all the guys Chris that I mentioned, yeah. Chris Paul, mm-hmm. guys that play the game in the way that you want point guards to play. Now that doesn't mean that Steph Curry, you can't put him there because your 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 top ten could be different than my top ten. And unlike Eric attacking me that I didn't put Kobe <laughs> Bryant in the top ten. There was another He's guy, right. Mo. Mo was another one that put him. It said I put him in my fi- top fifteen, maybe fifteen. I I put him at sixteen. It's not even far from Mo where he would put Kobe Bryant. So again, I'm not disrespecting Kobe Bryant and what he was as a player. I'm just looking at the game and the great players that played the game. Even the play, the game, the the players that I never got a chance to see. And my grandfather used to tell me, 
you don't realize how great these players were. So that's that's the difference. And Co- that doesn't take away Kobe's talent. Because if I put Kobe Bryant at 16, that's special from the top greatest basketball players to ever play the game of basketball. My problem wasn't that you didn't have him in your top 10, really. I'm not talking about you. Eric, oh. he, he attacked <laughs> me. Oh, you, you're the only person that doesn't have Kobe in the top 10. That's not true. There's a lot of people that no, don't have Kobe. there are a lot of people. That don't have don't. Kobe Bryant as their top 10. I don't necessarily agree with those people either. But you, fine. my bigger issue is that you had him third in the shooting guard list behind Clyde Drexler, Kobe. Well, that was my here's problem. The I difference. was like, you got and, here's, here's the reason why, and I and here's the reason why I love Clyde Drexler. I watched Clyde the Clyde play uh, at the top of his game when he had to play Michael Jordan year in and year out in the West. And if you look at his team, his second best player on a team was Clifford Robertson. Okay, Clifford Robertson. Clyde Drexler, when he went to the uh, the Rockets, oh. he trans he transcend that team into a championship competitive team. Okay, Clyde Drexler was one of the greatest two guard players I ever played. And if you ask Michael Jordan who was the hardest player he's ever defended against, and if you watched uh, the, the 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 last dance, the, the last dance, he said Clyde Drexler. Right. That's why. Uh, when I look at he insulted him. when yeah he always insulted Clyde Drexler and Clyde Drexler didn't like him either and and, and they played on the the dream team together so uh, honestly I, the reason why I put Clyde Drexler over Kobe Bryant is because when I watch Clyde Drexler play at the top of his game he was something special defensively the, it was very hard to score against him and he played great two way basketball and he was just fun to he was. He was bald. Dude, he, he looked like he was 30 years old and he looked like he was 40. Okay? <laughs> he really did. He looked like an old man because he, he never shaved his whole head. He'd have hair over here and he had bald. It looked like he was an old man on a court, but he didn't play like an old man. He played like an all around dominant force with the Portland Trailblazers. And that's why I put Kobe. That doesn't mean that Clyde Drexler was better than Kobe Bryant. In my view of the greatest twos of all time, I would put Clyde Drexler over Kobe Bryant. But that's my opinion. That's not your opinion. That might not be Joe Schmo's opinion. No, I, that, that, I'm just saying. That I, was, watched both of the, I watched both of those guys play it at the top of their game. I watched Kobe Bryant when he was a rookie play his game. So I watched Clyde Drexler play. It was a different game. And I, Kobe would have been a different player if he played in the, you know, in the 90s. Not to say his game wouldn't transcend because he played like Michael Jordan. And he always asked Michael Jordan for footwork right. information and stuff like that. And then he went to uh, Olajuwon. Yes, for yes. Moves. So, yeah. so in in thought. But if he had to play those guys, Jordan wouldn't have given him information. No. And either would Olajuwon. He would never have. No. The and and maybe he wouldn't have been the same player he once was. So again, I I'll say it again. Here's the thing, and he said it best. I said if Steph Curry played in the '90s, would he be Steph Curry? And he said, not even not even close. Well, no, that's because he's undersized. He's got they, bad ankles. Not undersized. He's six foot three, but he, they, they would push him in around. In that time, he's undersized. If you're not six five, six six, you were going to have a problem. As a point guard, no way. John Stockton was like six foot. I mean, Isaiah yeah, Thomas was six foot one. As a shooter, as a shooter, you Dude, had point to be guards a... were small in those days. No, yes, but as we Muggsy Bogues. Right, five foot four. Steph Curry's not Muggsy Bogues. I'm just, I'm just saying, in those days. 
the point guards were smaller than Steph. Steph Curry's six three. I think they're bigger now and more athletic now than they were then. But the game was different when they played defense and stuff like that. And I think Steph Curry, if you could put your hand on him and you could push him back and make sure. him force him to right. do things that he doesn't like, Steph Curry wouldn't be Curry. And that's, he would that's still different. shake a lot of people off, though. If Michael Jordan was defending him the way he did, oh well, uh, or Scottie Pippen, or, or even Derek Harper, who was a great defender, he would have problems. That's, all right, so against Gary the Bulls, Payton. he would struggle. And that's why when when people say the great that great Golden State Warrior team, the '98 Bulls, I laughed when people said that that nine that no, the '72 '90s are better than the Warriors. That Golden that. State Warriors team couldn't it wouldn't last more than five games against that Bulls team. Right, they wouldn't last five games. Dennis Rodman would have shut down. You're talking about a guy that rebounds and defends any position. Dennis Rodman. Scotty Pippen. You're talking Pippen, about underrated. That's Scott, Dennis Rodman. Scotty Pippen defends multiple positions. Michael Jordan defended multiple positions. Um, Derek Harper defended multiple positions. Real quick, and I'm serious. Was he on that 75 team? Who? Rodman. Rodman was on that team. The 98 team? No, 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 no. The 75. The top 75, the, oh, the top 75 sure. team. Was he sure. on there? No. Because if he's not, that's a joke. I don't think he was. That's a travesty. But Dennis Rodman was arguably the best defensive player to ever play the game. I right. Mean, so that argue, alone gets you in. They would argue. They would argue that he was. And and and. But again, when I look at those that '98 Bulls team, and I I don't think anybody would have beaten that '98 Bulls team. They were so good, and they had so much depth. It, it just, I mean, Tony Kukoc coming off the bench as your eighth guy or seventh guy. I mean, seriously, I mean, that team was loaded. And that started, that front five, the defensive team that that front five gave you, even Luke Longley was a pretty good defender at his position. Uh So it it just, that was just a really, 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 really good team. So um, I I don't know. So they were fantastic, and I don't think anybody would have beaten them. Maybe, maybe the Lakers, like in the early 80s with Magic Johnson, a worthy and uh, Kareem, Cooper, that Kareem and Dorje Bar- done it. Uh, I'm sorry, that three Pete Lakers might have given them a run for their money. No, With Shaq and Kobe. No way. It would have been. It no would have been. Seven I don't know games. if that team had the depth though. Dennis, Dennis Rodman and and they would have double teamed the Diesel and Michael Jordan would have shut down Kobe Bryant. But Kobe Bryant's also a very very good defender too. That's fine. You think he would have shut Michael Jordan down? I mean. Fisher and Harper are probably equivalent to each other. Do you know? Do you know that Kobe Bryant every time he played Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan averaged 30, 30 or more points. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm, I'm just not, saying. Not, I, I get he it. I know Jordan, Jordan. I know. Listen, we agree. Jordan's the goat. We agree. That's why I'm saying the Bulls will win against I, the I Lakers. I think Jordan's the greatest. That Laker pick. team, I think, will give them a better run for their money than the Warrior team. I think Jordan was the greatest athlete I've ever seen, out of any sport. I, I, I don't think there was anybody better. I hated him. I hated him as a player. Every time he came to Madison Square Garden. It's I, close. Him and Phelps is close. Oh, it's, no, Jordan's better than Jordan's Phelps. Jordan's better than Phelps. But, see, I love Phelps. But, but hold on. you got, you got to take into account that Michael Phelps isn't Special. going against the Selena, Probably in the top five. Selena but, uh, Williams. Five, he, well, yeah. Serena's another uh, one. You, you, uh, uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, uh, Rafael Nadal. Uh, what's his name again? The other guy. Federer. Federer. I mean, those, Federer is the, the winningest champion tennis player of all time. Now, Djokovic. There were a lot of great... Michael Jordan had that it factor that made him – Michael Jordan – if Michael Jordan needed to run through a brick wall sick, he would have. 
I agree with you. That's, I agree. Jordan's the goat. Uh, it, it's it's different when when you look at it and you try to compare sports. You can't really say, "Oh, Michael Jordan." But if you were to ask me, out of all the great athletes I've ever seen, Michael Jordan was the greatest athlete I've ever seen, uh, probably will ever see. And everybody, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was great for well, four no, yeah. years. Bo ja- athletically, though, four years. Athletically, as an athlete, which means, you know, as an athlete, Deion Sanders. Well, right. Oh yeah, no, he's up there too. Him and Bo Jackson, I think, are important. I, I Bo Jackson, think, though, will run you over. As an athlete, or Dave, uh, or Dave Winfield, who was drafted in three different sports. Basketball. Right. Right. The Braves right. had somebody, too, that was drafted in three sports I, I mean, as well. It wasn't as good as Dave Winfield. but Dave he, Winfield was a first-round draft pick in all three sports. All three of them. No, I, I understand. Baseball, basketball, and football. He was he was the best Namath. player. Mm, Namath, I, I think Namath is one of the most overrated As a athletes. quarterback, but as an athlete, he was drafted, He could have went in two different sports. Yeah, but... Uh, in I, an era where that was unheard of. I wasn't... I, 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 even I as agree a with fan, you, he's I, overrated. I, I can't stand Joe Namath. I never liked Joe Namath. I, I, met him, I met him a couple times. Nice man. Very, very nice man. Very, very old. Um, Keep away Tom from the Glavin alcohol. was drafted in hockey. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he was. Glavin was. He was a second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really? Yes. Tom. Right. Gla- some people say Tom Glavin would have been a better hockey player than he was a baseball uh-huh. Hall of Famer. Oh, oh, I was going to say he made the right choice. Well, he probably he wouldn't did. have lasted 15 years in hockey. How do you know? He was a great hockey player. That's fine, but baseball is a lot less contact. If you ask Tom Obviously. Glavin, if you ask Tom right, Glavin, if you ask Tom Glavin, who which which sport he was better at, I bet you he'd say hockey. He probably would. So but would he have lasted 15 years in the I NHL? I don't know. Wayne Gretzky did. Mario Lemieux, he, you know, I mean, came back with he, all the cancer he that he had. Up? He played like fourteen years. But is he as Mark Messier did? We'll never, we'll never know what that what they would have developed into with with the development systems as well. Steve Nash could have been a great soccer player for Kobe Bryant was a better soccer player. Yeah, than a basketball right. Player. Exactly. Yeah. There's like there's always those Alan types Harrison of circumstances. Was a better football player than he was a basketball player. I don't believe that story because when Allen says that, because I I I I know somebody that actually went to school with Allen Iverson. When he was going to high school and stuff like that, you should start with and, that. And, and I, I do, I know somebody that actually. I no, I'm somebody. saying you should bring that up more often. Well, Allen Iverson was uh, he he was great at both sports, but Allen Iverson he was a great baseball player too. Allen Iverson, mm. um, Allen was just another other other worldly when he played basketball. He had that. I mean, he's the one that really brought that that crossover like that. That real new age crossover to the NBA, yep. and he changed the game. He broke Jordan's leg, just like, just like Twice. Steph Curry changed the game with his shooting ability. Allen Iverson changed the game by oh, the way he God, moved the this, ball. Oh, what? My boy Andre says the same thing. He, it drives me nuts. What? Allen Iverson? Yeah, he brings him up all the time. Well, he brings up. We talk basketball probably once a without week. Allen Iverson. He brings it up every time. Without Allen Iverson, there w- maybe the dribbling, ball handling wouldn't be. There wouldn't be a right, Steph Curry. There'd be no Steph. There'd there would be, be no Kyrie, Kyrie there. there. No, the, the, right. the game has changed. I mean, remember, remember Steve Francis? Steve Francis yes. went at the top of the game. Stevie Francis. Yes, yes. He was a great ball handler. He 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 thinks Allen Gary Iverson. Gary Payton was kind of a good ball handler too. He was the glut. He was known for his defense. Right, but he was a good ball handler too. He was, but Pistol he, Pete was probably the best ball handler. Probably the greatest ball handler that nobody talks about. I mean, Pistol Pete greatest really point guard. No one talks about. Well, he. I think he was the Steph Curry of those ages because people said that he would shoot half court shots right. every game, and right. and, 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 no he, he, and right. he, his percentage of shooting the the deep shot was, was um, Jerry West too, unbelievable right. shooter. You know what Does I mean? Does he still have the record in college? 
I know Pete, uh, Pistol Pete had the record for a very long time. Yeah, I th- he still does. At least as of, I think, two years ago. I'm not sure. It's a shame what happened to Pistol Pete. I think, I think I, I'm right. pretty sure he still does. And he did all that with half a heart. Right. Crazy. Insane. It's, it, it is, uh, it's a great story. If you ever see the Pistol Pete story, they actually made a movie on it. It's a very interesting story. His dad was a little bit of a dick. His father was very hard on him. But that's what made him a better player. And and pistol, you know, Pete when he Mar- figured Maravich when he figured out who he was as a basketball player, he realized that if he wasn't pushed to that next limit, he wasn't he w- wouldn't be the player that he was at the little bit of time that he played the game. So it is a, is a special story. Um, why don't we do our picks? I, don't, I just wanted to mention this before we get to our picks. Jeff, that's a pretty funny one. Best starting five is Grayson Allen, Ron Artest, Dennis Rodman, Bill Lambier, Rudy, Rudy Tomjanovic, who beats us in a fight. That's probably well, right. If, yeah, if Grayson Allen doesn't trip anyone he first. Bill <laughs> Did he say Bill Lambier? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's probably right about that. All right. All right. What is the Jets score, anyways? Is it, it was 42 to 23 22. last time I checked. I'm not figured. <laughs> I turned it off at forty two. I knew I knew the game was over. You know, after Mike got hurt, and then when they scored, when they dropped the fumble the ball, and it they went up twenty one seven. I knew the game was over. So oh, they've actually dropped third. Oh, that's Rocky up the garbage time points. Who's his Johnson as the quarterback? Yeah, I and he's watched, got three hundred yards. I watched. I'll say, <laughs> oh, he's the future quarterback of the, the three hundred yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> Give me a break. It's, it's such a ridiculous. It's it, it, even listening to Eric. You know when he says stupid things, I'm like, guys, I, I'm sure White is going to be. He's a good quarterback. I'm not saying that he's not. He is not the future of this organization, and and not. Now, Joe Douglas or Robert Sala was actually going to sit there and go up there and put their quarterback down. But let's be honest. Why did they, after that game, why did they bring in a coach to sit on the bench to help this kid? There was a reason behind it. They, they know that Zach Wilson is the future. And that's it. Now, are we ready? You guys yep. ready for your picks? Mm-hmm. Yep, All yep. right, let's go. Jets might make this close, by the way. Um, Falcons. Saints, Speedy. This game will be close. I'm going to take the Saints. I think it'll be lower scoring than people expect. The Falcons' defense. They've been, Jeff, if you want to call, you can join us. Yeah, uh, yeah. They've been, they've been bad in certain weeks, but again, they've actually played well in games you don't expect them to. I think the Saints will win it late. I think it'll be a late fourth quarter drive. I'll say 23 to 20. Tyler, he, he, this game is going to be a crapshoot. I want to say the Saints because they're at home and their defense is great. Offensively, I don't know who the quarterback is. Alvin Kamara is going to be pretty much the only offensive weapon in this game, so they're going to game plan for him. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm taking Atlanta on really? the road. Yeah. Um, the Saints are at home. Obviously, they they have a lot of offensive woes. They don't know who their starting quarterback is. Jameis Winston is out for the season 20 ACL. But I, I think the defense has played pretty well uh, from all the, the impossible things that have happened. I think Alvin Kamara is going to play a big part in this game. Atlanta has a problem stopping the run. Give me the Saints in this game. This is going to be a very close game, 24-20. to 20. Broncos, Cowboys. I'll take the Cowboys in this one. Uh, the, the defense for Dallas still continuing to play very Amazing strong. They, made, they playing, made a statement the last week against Minnesota. I know Kirk Cousins has had his quote-unquote primetime woes, but I think they did make a statement in that game. The Broncos receivers still question marks of whether they can stay healthy or not and what their offense is going to be like going forward. I'll say Dallas, 24, Denver, 13. I'm torn. I really am torn because I, I picked Dallas last week, and I don't want to do that again. But they're at home. It's Sunday. Dak's supposed to come back. I think, I think 
I think they're going to blow the Broncos out of the building. I, I think this could be a blowout. 38-7. I think the game's going to be very, very close. I think the Broncos will be in the game, and I think the Broncos will have a chance to win this game. I think this is a game that the Cowboys could lay up a dud. I think, yes, they lost Von Miller, but the Broncos' defense has played very well. Their secondary, their young secondary, has played at better than anybody thought they were going to do, even ending fuller this year. And some people thought they were going to trade him at the trade deadline, but they kept and held on to him. Mm-hmm. Um... I think this game will be close. I think the Cowboys will win the game uh, because of Dak Prescott. Really, just Dak Prescott. Give me the Cowboys 27-20. Patriots, Panthers. Give me Carolina in this one. We'll be close. Again, low-scoring game. Stephon Gilmore, obviously, now playing against his former team. That's going to be interesting how Belichick had a game plans for that. But I think the Panthers' offense showed a little bit more last week in terms of at least moving the ball. They've had trouble finishing drives. That's why I think the Patriots will keep it close. But the Carolina's defense still has played well, too, where I think they'll be able to hold the Patriots. I'll say Carolina 20-14. to 14. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots on the road here. And there's a sim- Bill Belichick has too much familiarity with this team. He knows how to get in Sam Donald's head, and he obviously knows how to run away from his uh, former defensive guru prowess. Just remember, Christian McCaffrey's probably playing. Is he definitely playing? It seems like he is. He could. Again, though, I think with the knowledge of Donald, I think he's going to game plan to just take away McCaffrey. I don't think that matters. And we haven't seen him in weeks. Give me New England in a very low-scoring game. I'm going to say 20-13. to Christian McCaffrey's played against the Patriots twice and blown them out. So, I played very well against the With Patriots. Cam. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Christian McCaffrey is, is played very um, But I'm going to take the Patriots in this game. I think the Patriots defensively has played well week in and week out. Mac Jones is going to promise this week. I, I think the Panthers defense has played well this year at certain aspects of the game. I think you're going to be able to put pressure on him, and, and we're going to see him fall out of the pocket and make mistakes. Maybe throw one or two interceptions. But I think Bill Belichick, to me, is one of the best and one of the best minds we've seen come out of the NFL. So I think he'll figure out how to stop Sam Donald, and maybe he'll see more ghosts. So give me the Patriots in this game, 17-14. Halloween was last week. If Donald even plays. I forgot he's in concussion protocol. But they might play. be getting P.J. Walker, yeah, but they which say, is worse. Yeah, I think they said that he, he might play. He might pass the, the protocol. Uh, Vikings, Ravens. Give me the Ravens on this one. The, the Vikings de- uh, Vikings offense didn't prove a lot last win. week. Uh, I, I think it's still going to be very hard for them. I know they might get a big play here and there. The Ravens secondaries had trouble, but uh, the, the, the Ravens, I think, will be able to run the ball against Mike Zimmer's defense. Not the raw run defense, but Lamar Jackson running, I think, will make a big difference in this game. I'll say Ravens win it 24-14. to 14. I'm torn here. I really am torn. Yes, Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson, two of your least favorite quarterbacks, I know. I'm going to go with the upset again. I- I'm taking the Vikings here. They should be embarrassed about how they performed against the Cowboys. Well, I picked the Ravens most of the time. All right. This defense for the Ravens, as we alluded to earlier in the show, th- this is not that Raven defense anymore. It's very stuck together with rubber bands, and if the glass is broken, it's kind of shattered. So uh, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins, and it's not prime time, so Kirk Cousins is going to have a good day. I'm going to go Minnesota 23, Ravens 20. I got the Ravens in this game. I think the Ra- being that the Ravens are home, I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a big game. He better show up in this game uh, and, and really shut down this Vikings team that's played very good defensively all season long, kind of fell off last week. But I, I like the Ravens. I, I think they're going to be able to run against the Vikings in this game. Give me the Ravens in this game, 35-20. Uh, Browns, 
Bengals. Close game. I'll go with Cleveland here. I think a lot of adversity surrounding them. I think a lot of these other players are going to to rally without well. Without Odell Beckham in yeah, the lineup. Without it's Odell help Beckham, him. I think I think yeah, I think a lot of these players are gonna rally and prove themselves and I think the the circumstances are saying, Oh, this is gonna be a distraction. Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, everyone's distracted. I think the Browns rally around this. It'll be a close game. I think the Browns win it late. Give me Cleveland twenty seven, Cincinnati twenty one. We all know I love Cleveland. Cincinnati will win this football game. I think Cincinnati has been quietly very good against the run this year. And Nick Chubb and Denernis Johnson are not Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is going to have a hard time. And Baker Mayfield's playing with a busted shoulder. Now I get it. It's not his throwing arm, but still, that hurts. Now you're without Odell. Landry's beat up. At some point, the wagon's got to fall off the wheel here. I think Cincinnati wins it very close, 17-14. I, I'm going to agree with Speedy. I, I, I like the Bengals. I like them a lot. Last week I saw enough of the Bengals where they made a lot of mistakes against a Jets team that, remember, is a young team and makes a lot of mistakes. They do this against Cleveland. Cleveland's going to kill them. And Chubb is back. They're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to bang, They're going to ground and pound this team and that defense. Give me the Browns, and I think Chubb will have a big game. Um, give me the Browns, 23-14. Uh, Bills, Jaguars. Josh Allen will sack Josh Allen in this game, and then then the quarterback will go off from there. I think the, the Bills will win this one easily. I think Jacksonville will run the ball a little bit in the beginning of the game, but that's really it, and the Bills will just take over from there against that awful defense. Buffalo 34-14. to 14. Um, The only thing I don't want Jaguars fans to do is after Trevor Lawrence gets absolutely shredded, do not give up on the kid. It's, it's going to be a bad stat line for this guy. He's going to throw probably three or four picks. It's good. Oh, boy. Um, oh. The, the Bills will win this game easily. I'm going to say 45 nothing. Uh, I think the Bills are winning this game. I, I don't think this is going to be a really big problem for Josh Allen against the Jaguars one? defense, the quarterback. Oh. Um, the Jaguars defense has been horrendous, really, all season long. They, they've not been good. And I don't think they're going to be able to get to Josh Allen to really put any problems with and make it, make it a problem game. Give me the Buffalo Bills in this game, 30-20. to 20. I, think, I think it'll be a close game because I think Trevor Lawrence, slowly but surely, is getting better week in and week out. Except for the one sack by Josh yeah. Allen. Texans and Dolphins. Oh, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game. I'll take, I'll take Miami. I'll trust their defense just a little bit more. Not by much, but I'll trust their defense a little more. Texans, I think, will be able to run the ball in this game. Miami's had a lot of trouble stopping the run, but I think Miami will eventually come through just with better coaching. Sloppy game. Miami 16 to 12, I'll say. Weird score. I'm actually going to go with the Texans. Tyrod Taylor is going to start. He's a veteran leadership, and I trust him more than Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, and that's uh, really the best uh, quarterback of the two. And Well, there's nothing else to say about this game. The Dolphins win. I, I think it'll be very close. The Dolphins have been horrendous this year. And, and I'll tell you this, if Brian, and I love Brian Flores. If he has another bad year like this, he, he will goes be back fired. To New England. He will be fired next year because this, this can't – the Dolphins went from uh, – Maybe the Giants. They went there. from this, just like Adam Gase, to this. And, and that's where Brian Flores is turning out to be, so – it's not a good sign for Brian Flores and, and the development of this team. Um, give me the Dolphins. Uh, it'll be close. 
Uh, Raiders, Giants. Raiders are going to win by a pretty significant margin, like I was saying with the Browns. I think, I think the Giants have a chance to win this they game. Have, they have a chance on paper to win this game. I think it's another emotional type thing. You're seeing the Raiders really rally after the whole Ruggs incident, and you saw them do that after after Gruden, that whole debacle, and they blew out the Broncos, a team they looked iffy against on paper. The Giants have some good matchups on paper, but I think the Raiders, just, I think they'll end up exposing. There are some things I like with the Giants, the way they shut down Travis Kelsey like last week will definitely help for Darren Waller, but Darren Waller's still going to get his, and I think the Raiders' running game will take over in this game. So I think the Raiders win by a pretty wow. significant margin. I'll say 31 I'll say 31-17. I, I don't even think this game's going to be close. I think the Giants will hang around at halftime and then Derek Carr's going to blow the doors off Medlin. Uh, like we said, Derek Carr is playing with an emotional game on Sunday. He's a veteran leader. This team, the, the Giants have no chance in the second half of this football game whatsoever. Uh, 35-17. This is a game where I could think there could be an upset. I think the Giants could win this game. Uh, the Raiders are coming all the way from Oakland to New York. It's supposed to be cold on Sunday. Uh, possibly could rain. Um, I think that affects the Raiders. Um, but I think the Raiders are the better team. So I'm going to give it to the Raiders. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Giants come out as a winner. 23-20, the Raiders win. Um Chargers, Eagles. This is going to be a fun game. This is my this is my upset. I'm going to take the Eagles here. The Chargers have had a lot of trouble middle of the field defense again without Kenneth Murray. Derwin James has had to pretty much do everything. That's why you were mentioning, Errol, uh, the Chargers being a spot for Marcus May potentially at the trade deadline. I think they've had a lot of trouble with that. The Eagles have the tight end, uh, the tight end and the running backs, the pass-catching running backs, even when Miles Sanders is out. Jalen Hurts running, I think, will end up making a big difference in this game. And the Chargers defense has had some leaks since their bye week, I think they've had some issues. And Darius Slay will take out at least one of the Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, where I think it'll make it hard. So Eagles win it close. I will say 23-21. This is going to be a get-right game for the Chargers. The Chiefs got theirs last week against the Giants. This will be that game for the Chargers this week. Justin Herbert's going to find a way to annihilate this team. He's playing really well. Austin Eckler, I think, is going to run a muck on this defense. And honestly, as long as that defense can kind of just keep the running backs for the Eagles, whether it's Boston Scott, um, Kenneth Gainwell's the other one, yeah, and Jordan Gainwell, Howard. Jordan yep. Howard, one of those three from going off. I mean, I don't really think Dallas Goddard's going to be all that hard to contain. So I think the Chargers are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a get-right game, and they're going to go right back on a straight arrow. 28-17 Chargers. Uh, before we get to your pick, Jeff has arrived. What's up, Jeff? I'm just here so I won't get fined. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, you know, I saw that you picked Errol the... told me to. That's the only reason I'm here. Yes, and I, I saw that you picked the Giants, which uh, I'm yeah, not... The Giants, yeah, the Giants are going to win. This is going to be too much for them. I don't know why you think they're coming from Oakland, though. Are they going west before they Vegas. go back to New York? Well, they're coming from Vegas, but it's the same distance. They didn't want anyone else to start <sighs> speeding in the Vegas Strip. <clears throat> They're still yeah, coming I just think it's gonna. I just think it's gonna be too much for them. I think this is a, a perfect game for the for the Giants to win. You know, it's been a really emotional week for Vegas. So, uh, you know, I think this is a perfect week the Giants would win. Uh, that's why I think it, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I wouldn't. I can't. I, I can't imagine there's been a whole lot of practicing going on this week. Mm. Not for nothing. Chargers Eagles. I mean, what what are your thoughts with the Chargers Eagles? Yeah, I, I don't think the Eagles are any good whatsoever. So, I mean. And the Chargers, not for nothing, <laughs> you know, I get it, kind of talking about a New England game, but if you uh, if you pay attention to what Keenan Allen's been saying this week and stuff, how he thinks that the Patriots are no good and we beat ourselves and stuff, and I think the Chargers are out for a kind of 
blood this week. I don't think that they feel that they should have lost last week and the Eagles aren't any good. So could be a bad position for them to be in. I, I would agree with you. I think the Chargers are going to win. I think Justin Herbert will throw close to 400 yards in this game. I think he's going to make a statement. And I believe they're going to be able to run the ball. They, they kind of they didn't run the ball enough with Eckler next, last week. And I, I think because he was hurt. Yep. I, I think I think you I think Eckler I think Eckler is playing this week. He is playing. He's just going to be limited, and it affects his route tree too because he he's a good route runner. He doesn't catch just catch screen passes. He catches all elaborate routes too. Give me the Chargers in the game, forty to twenty. Uh, Packers, Kansas City, no Aaron Rodgers. Speedy. Ugly, ugly game. I'll take the Chiefs to hold on and win just because I don't know what Jordan Love is in terms of doing it in the clutch. But this game will be close. If you're, ta- if you're betting, I would take the Packers to cover. I think this, the Chiefs still have a lot of deficiencies on that defense. They still can't run the ball, which is the Packers' biggest weakness defensively. And even so, they've been a little better than they've been last year. I uh, say so the Chiefs still win. Kind of ugly game. I'll say 23-20. They 20. better win or they're done. 23-20. This is a must win for the Chiefs at home. Pat Mahomes is going to get right at some point. I think this is going to be the perfect time. I think I think poor Love is going to be in for a rude awakening. I, I don't really think Green Bay is going to move the ball that much I think the league is starting to figure out Patrick Mahomes. I'm just telling you. I think they're well, figuring him out. They might figure him out, but he'll figure them out too. I can't see he's going to win this game 35-14. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I want to take the Packers because I don't think the Chiefs are any good. But, I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, I you kind of have to take the Chiefs, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Chiefs, too. I don't know what Jordan Love is. If Jordan Love starts off strong, he could be special. But we'll see. They've always seemed to find the quarterback in the loom. So, um, But I got the Chiefs in this game. I think it'll be close, and I think the Packers will have a chance to win. Give me the Chiefs 24-21. Uh, Cardinals 49ers. This could be a game... I think the 49ers could win. Well, go ahead. I don't think they will. I think they'll hang tough. I think the, it, the problem is the Cardinals have, even though they've had trouble stopping the run, the 49ers have been kind of more flashy than consistent running team this year, where I think you'll see a big run, maybe Elijah Mitchell, maybe it's uh, Sermon if he does play. One of them will get a big run, but I don't think consistently they've run the ball well enough. And the matchup advantage is that I think the Niners could expose. They haven't really done much of this season. So I think Arizona will end up winning. I think they'll spread the ball around nicely against a bad secondary. 49ers will keep it close. Tyler Murray might not play. Yeah, th- that's why I think they'll end up holding the field goals. It'll be a little less scoring as a whole. But I think the Cardinals will still ultimately win. I'll say 26-17. to 17. I'm taking the Niners here. They're at home. And these division games in the NFC West are always tick for tack. And they're very strange. And generally the better defense wins. They should have won the first game. They should have won the first game. Top five defense at home. Like you said, Kyler Murray is banged up. Hopkins is banged up. A.J. Green doesn't know when to turn around and look for a touchdown pass anymore. So, no, that's fine. I'll take San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo looked amazing against a really good Bear defense last week. I'll take San Francisco 25-18. Who do you got, Jeff? I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. I think the addition of Zach Ertz is going to help whoever is at quarterback. Another option between Christian Kirk and Hopkins and and A.J. Green and Rondale Moore and now Ertz. I think they're going to have too much offense. Even even if Kyler Murray doesn't play, I think they'll still have too much offense for just a real shit 49ers team. I would agree with you. I think the 49ers need this game really, really bad. They need to come out strong. I, I think this is a must win for the 49ers. They're talking about possibly Kyle Shanahan losing his job in the offseason. I mean, the way this team was supposed to be a playoff-bound team. Um, and 
I, I just think the 49ers will win this game. I can't see them winning both games. Uh, the Cardinals winning both games. I, I say back-to-back losses for the Cardinals. 49ers win this game. I think it'll be close. Uh, I could see it like 31-28 or something like that. I think Kyler Murray will obviously keep him in the game if he plays. So uh, This was supposed to be the game of the week. Sunday night football, but with Derrick Henry not in the lineup, I mean, you have old man Peterson, but we see Peterson play pretty well when he when he has played. Loves prime time. Uh, Titans, Rams, Speedy. I actually think Peterson can play well. It won't be well enough to win. I think he can play well officially. I'm sure there's going to be other guys that are going to rotate. Don't tell the there. beef that. I think, I think he'll rotate. I think they'll rotate. I don't think he'll get all these carries and stuff like that, but I think the Rams ultimately end up winning game. Tennessee's defense, I think he'll keep it close. I think they'll try to... I think they'll try to end up like not allowing the big play, but I think they'll just get worn out after a while. Cooper Cup will still get his huge game. I think the Rams' offensive line could still be questionable against a Titans pass rush that has played better. But I think the Titans might be up at halftime, and the Rams will take over from there. I'll take 28-17 L.A. I don't know why everyone keeps thinking Adrian Peters is playing tomorrow, but hey, whatever. He barely practiced yesterday. so Or today, rather. So here we go. The Rams are going to win this game definitively. Uh, the Titans can't stop the pass. The Rams can't run the ball, but what the hell does that matter when you got Matt Stafford, who's had an MVP year? Uh, Rams 40, Titans 17. Mm. I This is going to be a really close game. I, 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 think the, I think the Titans will have a chance to win this game. I really do. And I, I think Adrian Peterson will have a good game. The wide receivers, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they'll, they'll get their touches. One of them will. Um, I got the Rams in this game. Uh, the Rams will win. Uh, we'll see a sack by Von Miller this week. Give me the Rams, thirty to twenty. Uh, and the final game of the week. Oh, J- uh, Jeff, Jeff Scott. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. Doesn't matter. The Rams are going to win without Derrick Henry. The Titans are going to be trash because they have a trash quarterback that's been carried by Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. No way Ryan Tannehill is leading anyone to victory without a- an effective running attack. Zero chance. Mm. I would agree with you. Bears and Steelers. This is going to be close. Another one of those kind of low-scoring. I, I think, want to see the Bears win. I think if the, it was a regular, like, not primetime game, I think the Bears would win. But I, I don't know how Justin Fields will be in primetime. He doesn't have a lot of experience at that at the NFL level yet, where I think the Steelers, they're always in primetime games. So I think that'll end up making a difference for their defense to get it going. Close, low-scoring game. I'll say Pittsburgh 20, the ba- uh, Chicago 13, I'll say. The biggest factor in this game is whether Khalil Mack will be healthy or he'll be out there barely. But... I do think the Bears will win. I've seen Justin he's Fields. Playing. No, I know he's playing, but is he healthy? There's a difference. Uh, Khalil Mack, I think, is going to destroy Ben Roethlisberger, rightfully so. And unlike you, I, I think Justin Fields plays better in prime time. I think Chicago will win this game by the skin of their teeth, 13-10, Monday night. Jeff, who do you got? Awful yeah, I mean, for, for most games for me, and for probably most people anyways, I think it's the... Most people are just going to pick the team with the better quarterback, right? I think Roethlisberger has now become the worst quarterback in the league. You're, you're laughing. It, who's worse than him? Whoever Name someone worse. Tua? <laughs> oh, even Hawaiian Tebow can do something. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think this could be a real opportunity for a coming out party for, for Justin Fields to prove what he can do and and, uh, you know, I like the Bears' defense. I hate Roethlisberger, what he can do anymore. I'll take the Bears. I got no problem doing it. I got the Bears, too. I think the Bears win. Even though the Bears aren't making the playoffs, uh, they'll make it interesting. And they'll be firing their coach. Uh, honestly, is there a worse quarterback in the league? They're 4-4. Four four. I'm sorry? If the Bears win, they're 4-4. Four four. No, they're 4-5. 4-5, 5-4. They're not making the playoffs. 
I didn't say that, but if they get competitive down the stretch, Matt Nagy might earn another year. Nagy's not <laughs> earning nothing. He might. He might. Ernie, uh, uh, I called you Ernie. Uh, Tyler, there's no way in hell they're keeping Nagy at the end of the season. Honestly, is there a worse quarterback in the league right now than Roethlisberger? Like, I realize people are going to give him a pass because of reputation and past performance, but if we're judging the dude right now, is there a worse quarterback in the league than, than Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, if we look at the rosters, I mean, we do have uh, – the Jets do have Johnson now as a starting quarterback, so – I mean, he, dude, uh, just quietly, he didn't play the whole game and still threw for like 250. I know, it's crazy. Now, he'll probably be the future quarterback for the Jets now. Jeff well, well listen, I'm just, listen, I'm just saying, like, so name a word. Even Davis Mills has played pretty surprisingly well for, the, for, for Houston. I would, I would take Davis Mills over Roethlisberger right now. Actually, I think Roethlisberger has lost that much. Josh Johnson threw for 41 passes, 27 for 41. He had a good game. 317 t- t- yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. There you go. <laughs> and and not played, for nothing. He played better I'll, than Carson Wentz. <laughs> not for nothing, I'll say this too, you know, because you were asking the question before Wiz done Denzel Mims. I watched the game, or the end of the game tonight. Dude, Denzel Mims dropped, literally just dropped, horrible drop, three passes that he should have caught. Like, not even close. Mm. Like, terrible. So you're wondering where he is, and he's not playing for a reason because he can't catch the football. Well, Elijah Moore had two touchdowns tonight. He had a sensational game. Um, uh, 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 You're slowly but but surely seeing what this kid's going to turn out to be. I mean, uh, I, I... uh, Elijah Vera Tucker played well tonight, but it, it's too little. To, and by the way, Michael Thomas, uh, Michael Carter played well with 13 carries, 49 yards, 3.8 average. Michael Carter in practically every single game cl- averaged almost four yards per carry. I mean, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah but you want to, no, 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 you're not doing this. Hmm. You're not doing this because early in the early in the year when he was averaging 5.4, you said he was doing terrible. Nah, now that I'm he's not. averaging 3.8, he's doing so well. I didn't, I didn't say that. I, I said the last two weeks. You did say that. You did say that because we talked about it because he was averaging more per carry than of than than Ezekiel Elliott, and you were like, well, Zeke's <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yes, like, but it's only politics. But he's only touching so the ball. You're not going to get away. Only, with, you're not going to get away with always. Oh, He's only and he's doing so well now. He's, That's garbage. It, Your takes are hot garbage. Uh, hot char, hot, hot garbage. He's actually getting 13, 14 carries a game from eight or nine or eight or seven right, games. Right, but, but eight or seven exactly, a game. But this is exactly what I said to you when we had Consistency. the conversation the first time. Consistency. No, this is exactly what I said to you the first time we had the conversation. You said, oh, the Jets, they're last and running. And I said, yeah. That's because... Zach Wilson wouldn't stop throwing interceptions, so Michael Carter's not going to get as many touches because they don't have the ball that long. He was turning it over so much that you couldn't overcome that. Mm. All right. Well, good for you. Um, before we, before we go, because I have nothing to say. I'm, I'm not going to argue about something so dumb. I'm not arguing about that. Um, We're arguing about you being wrong, and once again, I'm right. Uh, I, I don't know about you being right. I, I Speedy, is that exactly the conversation we had, Speedy? Yeah, you were complaining about his lack of touches as a whole. I, I, I don't know I if you were complaining about, about lack of, of efficiency, but I was talking. No, about I do remember. I do remember the Zika Tony Pollard thing, though. That was that was right. Yeah. But he was averaging. But Michael Carter was averaging five point four, and, and Errol was like, "Yeah, well, but he was terrible. only touching the ball five times. So <clears> obviously, his percentage is going to be up." Duh. 
I mean, seriously. But he's touching the ball now 13 to 20 times, so his percentage is still up. So, yes, I'm starting to see improvement of the kid because they're actually trusting to give him the ball. So, yes, my take is right. You're wrong. And you, you say that you're always right, which you're wrong. You just strap on clown shoes every night. Shut up, you. Shut up. I, I do want to finish up with the uh, the college, uh, the, uh, the way they uh, – the NCAA – has voted the top five or top seven or top 10 teams in, in college football. And when I saw that list on Monday, or Sunday night, I think it was. It was Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday night. It was one of those nights. I saw Alabama number two. Mark must have joined the committee. <laughs> I almost threw up. Okay. I think they got it exactly right. I think really? you're out of your mind. Really? I think they got it exactly right. You think that Alabama deserves the second seed? Well, let, well, let's just start here, okay? Mm-hmm. If we're going off the eye test, mm-hmm. who are the two best teams in the country? Those two. Okay, so those two. So they got one and two. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Errol, and I know that you're not going to like this answer, mm-hmm. they're going to settle it on the field because if Alabama was ranked five or six and they go in the SEC championship game and they beat Georgia, they'd move up into the top four anyways. Where now if they, when they face each other and they lose – They'll drop out. And the same can be said for number three, Michigan State, and number five, Ohio State. They play the last game of the year. Yeah. So they're going to settle it on the field, too. I don't have a problem with Michigan State being ranked high. I know a lot of people do, but I never. They're undefeated and just beat Michigan. So I don't have a problem with that one either. Yeah. I've heard a lot of complaints with that one, too. And, uh, the the orders. I, I'm glad though they got this right though because they haven't beaten the the strong opponents yet. Is Oklahoma? They've struggled in a lot of instances. That they're finally not rewarding them like they've gifted them in previous years. Now, if they win the Big Twelve and the the Big Ten cancels out, they still might get in. But at least they didn't reward and I forgot, them. Like they I forgot who they years. had at four. Who did they have at four? Oregon's again? at four at the moment. Oregon again. I don't have a problem with that because they I don't went either. on the road and beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. All those teams, by the way, Sands, Michigan State. They have a bad loss, right? Mm. Alabama lost terribly to A&M. Um, A&M. A&M. And, and Oregon lost horribly to Stanford. Got it. But most teams do have a bad win or a bad loss, I mean. The, the real robbery in these rankings, just in my opinion, and I get it, they haven't looked good and they've you know, got a lot going on there. There's no way Oklahoma undefeated Oklahoma should be ranked eighth, right? I don't. Ha- I don't. I wouldn't have him eighth. I'm just glad they didn't put him in like third out of a gift for being undefeated, though. Sometimes they yeah. do that. I would put him. I would put him probably number five or six. Right, but at the end, they of shouldn't the day, be. A- they should be ahead of Ohio State for sure. Right, but the reality of these rankings, when you're looking through the bullshit, is Cincinnati is honestly ranked five in these rankings because Michigan State and Ohio State are going to play each other, and the loser of that game, Cincinnati is going to jump ahead. Right, yeah. Cincinnati, right. I think, will end up jumping. Will end up jumping at at some point. Whether that does well, happen, because well, Alabama could lose too. No Alabama could lose too, so they could they could end up jumping. So they still have a shot. I, I wouldn't have ranked them six initially, but they have a shot. Well, you're going by strength of schedule, and like I said, if you're looking at who you think the two best teams all year have been, how do you argue against Georgia or Alabama? Honestly. Well, yeah, Alabama has good wins. I, I think a lot of people are stupidly arguing they shouldn't be completely out is ridiculous because I think they still have a lot of good wins in that SEC. So They kind of don't when you go and look at the schedule. Well, no, Florida and Ole Miss, I think, are, are still good wins to, to judge that. Or in comparison to Ohio State where they're just playing all the crappy Big Ten East teams. Right, but when you look at the rest of the bullshit, they play Southern Miss, well, sure, yeah, Mercer, yeah, right, New which, Mexico State. 
Right, like, which, which the SEC tends to have a lot of those because those are the program growing for those other FCS and like the, the yeah. But I don't care. Schools. Like we can, right, but I don't care because we can't. We need to stop judging Cincinnati on oh, but they played Memphis or no. FAU I would put I would put them number three. I agree with you. If I were to do the rankings, I would do it as Georgia, Michigan State, then Cincinnati. I'm just saying that but, I, I don't think it's egregious that Alabama's in the top four. I just I just think that if you're looking at what's coming up for these teams that's on the schedule that top four is going to sort itself out. Like if, like if Ohio state beats Michigan state, Michigan state's going to drop. They're not going to be there. And Ohio state will then move into the top four because they're five. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and that people would do that anyways. I just don't know why Ohio state's that high without the statement win yet though. <laughs> because they've, they've played and beaten everyone pretty good. And their only loss is to at the time, number three ranked Oregon. No, they were number three at the time. Oregon was Oregon was in the five. T- oh, they five. were they were that high. Or three. They were either three or five. Are you sure? I, I didn't yes. think they were that high. I know they were top I ten. Promise. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, top ten then. Okay. Ohio you know I, I, Ohio State was three. I remember that, but I didn't think Oregon was ranked as high as they were. I think they. Yeah, I, Oregon was ranked really high. Dude. Okay. They got as high as two before they lost to Stanford. Yes, they did. I remember that. Right, so if that's your only loss, that's a pretty darn good loss. I guess that's fair. I just it seems like they were struggling a lot in the beginning of the season, with, like kind of like Oklahoma that's, teams they were struggling against. And I'm glad the committee isn't rewarding that like they used to. And that's and if and if you're looking around at the rest of the schedule, name a better loss. No, I I, I don't mind the Ohio State lo- the Oregon loss. Like I don't think Ohio State should be like to- out of the top. 10 I think losing to Oregon. I think that loss to Oregon is a whole lot better than Alabama's losing to which is fair, but I think Alabama's also had more ranked wins. Where in comparison to Ohio State, they haven't. They've been playing the bad Big Ten East. I mean, I mean that can be fair too. But I mean, let's not say that they've had a lot of good ranked wins either, because Florida's getting stuffed in a locker every other week now too. Okay, but Ole Miss is still hanging hanging around there too. Ole and Miss, what are they ranked? Like the fifteen or sixteen? They've just lost. They're thirteen like right now. They're thirteen right now. I think they play Auburn this week. Who are 14. right? And they've just lost like two or three in a row or something, haven't they? Well, yeah, they lost the they lost that close one. They lost the close one against uh, against Alabama. No, not Alabama. They they lost a close one. Who was it? Was it A and M? They got smoked by Alabama. By but yeah, they got smoked by Alabama. I know that. I think it was Texas A and M that might have beat them too. So yeah, that they they'll drop as a result. But it still, I think it still counts as a ranked win. Where I don't think it's as bad as Ohio State blowing out, say Indiana or Maryland or one of those awful teams. And- and not for nothing, I got to say, on a day where I got the kind of news that, that just dropped, I'm losing confidence in Georgia as well. Why? You Did you miss the rape charges against Adam Anderson? They're starting oh, oh, wow. That's that's huge. Damn. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. So. There goes his top not, 10 draft stock, too, if he had it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's an incredible defensive yes. player. He's the, the leader of that Same. defense. Mm-hmm. And. This is uh, this is not great. No. I mean, no no arrest has been made, but they are still investigating him, and until there's an outcome, they've suspended him from the, from the team. So he hasn't okay. been arrested, but wow. this is just an allegation. It'll, it'll fall out of the first round. It'll still be a second round. You can't you can't pass up on his his talent. No, he'll still be a first round pick, but he was supposed to be a top ten. So <laughs> no, I, mean, I think he gets arre- he he gets arrested on this. Think about how amazing the next longest yard movie is. <laughs> I saw one of those already. Uh, yeah. I do one of those memes. I do want to. I do want to talk about this. Uh, this Jack Eichel. I didn't know the whole story behind this Jack Eichel when he got traded to 
uh, Vegas today. Uh, the reason why there was such a fallout with him and the Sabres was really uh, the disagreement of the how he how he wanted the surgery. Right. He didn't want the herniated he with this herniated he did not want a fusion fusion because he's re- read about and his family has read about how fusions have affected other discs. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you he he is now pushing for the disc replacement. He is getting the disc replacement now that he got traded. I will tell you this: I went for the disc replacement. It was the best thing I ever did. If I went for a fusion, I probably, you know, in five to ten years, I probably have problems with my other disc. It puts pressure on the other bottom parts of the discs. This I mean, is- it does, but it does. But the the problem with it is, and I'm not saying there's a problem with the surgery or yeah. whatever. And and I respect Eichel for you know standing his ground. He's got to live in his body and deal with the surgeries. Yes. He has. The problem is no one in the NHL has ever played with this surgery. Yes. So there's a question mark on whether it'll it'll stand up. It, to that it, it will work because Jeff, I I have the same I had the same surgery. Um, first of all, you have more leeway with your neck. You can move your neck up, and with fusion, you can't you can't twist your neck all the way. It, it, there's certain aspects of of the pressure, you know. With with Peyton Manning, no, I understand yeah. the difference between a fusion and a, yeah. a disc replacement. Yes. I'm just saying. The Sabers didn't like it because no one's ever had it and played with it. He'll be fine. I think this is a great move for Eichel. I think I think Vegas is going to get a steal. <laughs> even even more surprising, not for nothing, and I feel free to disagree. Mm-hmm. What a, for, for a team that was asking for three first round draft picks mm-hmm. and players and all these things, they got nothing. Mm-hmm. They got a first rounder and Alex Tuck and some bum. Peyton Krebs, a first this year, coming year and a second the next year. I mean, this was a steal. I mean, Golden. The Golden Knights got the, one of the best centers in the league. For the first round pick will probably be late because Vegas has made the conference finals. And if that was the case, if that was it the case, the Giants. If they got the best deal that they could have gotten, that's now, what I'm I saying. It's hard to believe other teams would have given more I than what. A report yesterday says I mean, the only I'm other looking, team that was close was the Flames. I, I'm looking at this. I, I think the Rangers should have made the trade. If if that Absolutely was the case, not. they I would have made this trade. I mean, seriously, look at the, what the, the Rangers would have had to give up first round. And a third and maybe two players for Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel is still one of the best centers in the league, and he's 25 years old. And it, with the disc replacement, not a fusion, with the disc replacement, uh, he's he's going to be even better. I think this was a bad move by the Rangers if they could have him for what they got, what, what they traded for. So saying. before it came out today that they, the Sabres wanted no part of the Rangers because they didn't want him in the same state. Okay. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That's what Rangers I, fans need to tell themselves so they can feel like no, they I, have I, a no, I, I didn't want him at all. I, it's also, if you're Buffalo and you've been so bad for so long, why are you limiting yourself to that many to that many restrictions just because you don't want to be in the same state? And, and before we go, this investigation of the owner of the Suns, if this is all true, and it quite possibly could be true, and I, I don't see why it wouldn't be, uh, he should lose his team. Oh, don't no! Don't participate in cancel culture. Um, I mean, this is disgusting. I mean, the accusations—that's freedom of speech. The, That's freedom of speech. Let him say what he wants. That's cancel culture. The accusations that he—that this—I mean, the sexist things that he said, the racism things that he has said—if this is true, and Chris Paul was a part of the the L.A. Clippers, he's now yeah. a part of the, a different team with this going on. I'm not surprised. Chris Paul is not going to want any part of this team. He doesn't lose the rights. We can't do that because these things weren't said recently. This, these things happened years ago, so we just need to let them go because they don't matter. 
If you go back 10 years and start doing things, you can't, you can't do that to someone. Are you That's mocking? cancel culture. Are you? Are yeah, you, I'm, mock, I'm mocking, I'm mocking all the idiots that said the same shit about Gruden. I'm mocking all of you, actually. Yeah, I am. This is different. It's kind of not. He said the same things. Uh, no, this he, is used, kinda... he, he used the N-word years ago. It's the, actually the same exact thing. Yeah, but he's still doing it. He's and you still... don't think Gruden is still sending emails calling people faggots? I, th- there's no proof to that. Right. There's also no proof that this guy's still saying it. Mm. They're saying that he has said it in the past. There's no proof that he is still saying it. So, yeah, I'm mocking you. Well, thank you. Thank you for your mock. But I mean, but that's that's what we're doing, right? That's what we're talking about. You, uh, the, the, the double standard here is ridiculous. Oh, this guy now has to sell his team. And listen, I'm on board for that because I was on board for Gruden losing his job. You can't be the leader of men and, and do these things. You can't do them, right? But you guys are now flip-flopping somehow. Why? Uh, because this guy's an owner and Gruden is coach. I mean, uh, you're, you're, it's still, a, it's still a job. You're still in a position of power. They're, they're still supervisors just because this is, and the league guy. can't, the doesn't league, mean Gruden wasn't a supervisor. The league can't really force him to sell his team. Sure. They can. They did. The, they did the Donald Sterling. Sure. They can. Yeah. But yeah, but you just said they can't force him. To sell I don't team. think did I, they, I, did I don't they force think... Donald Sterling. Did they force Donald Sterling to sell the team? Just say yes, because you know it's true. I'm willing to bet you he's not going to sell his team. It's different than Donald Sterling. I mean, Donald Sterling has been a proven racist year in and year. I mean, besides the— Hold on, but you were, but you were just on board with this guy selling his team. Two minutes ago, you were I, like, yes, this guy's got to sell yes, his team. Yes, I, I, right? I, I don't think he's going to sell. push himself out that as quick as Donald Sterling did. I, I, Wait, I, the, the, the I agree with be- it. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen. between these two. The only difference between those two examples, the Sterling example and Starver. Starver? Starver? Starver. Yeah, Starver. Yeah. Right. The only difference is, is, is Donald Sterling was caught on tape saying it to his girlfriend. They caught on tape. Mm-hmm. She public. Right. That's the only difference. Because you can go ask Chris Paul, uh, Earl Watson, all these guys. This dude was saying it. This dude was blatantly saying it. So what's the difference? There isn't. A, the only difference is it's caught on tape and it doesn't shock your senses as much. But yeah, this guy should sell his team. There's no place in this world for people like that. Collect your $5 billion and sell in your team and go somewhere else. That's what you should do. Yeah, well, we'll see if it happens. We'll see if the league forces him. (sighs) But we can't do that. It's cancel culture. We can't cancel these people. No, they're pieces of shit. (laughs) This is what pieces of shit get. Thank you, Jeff. Oh man! Well, there's a lot of good fights this weekend. We have the Canelo Alvarez fight. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting. The Plant and Canelo Alvarez fight. I couldn't give two shits about any of those fights. Well, have we picked a date yet? Um, well, we're uh, I'm waiting for Tyler to give me uh, a day. We're a week. In, we're a week in now. This kid hasn't thought about it two seconds in a week. <laughs> Tyler. Well, I'll give you. I'll give. I'll give you the out. Do you just not want to do this, Tyler? You got to put in your headsets. No. I, I, what, what does he say? I can hear him. What does he say? <clears throat> he says, "Do you not want to?" do Oh this? my God! This is you want. I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> do you want this or not? That's what he's saying. Are we? Are we still bringing up this fight? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we can <laughs> well, I'm not the one. I'm not the one that brought up fighting. Arrow said that there was a lot of good fights this weekend with Guzman and. And all these other dudes, and I said, I don't care about those fights. There's only one fight I care about. Yeah, you're probably right about that. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you got to get a you got to get a date next week. I'll get a date. Yes, yes, yes. He'll get a date next week. He says. Oh, okay. 
All right? So you, you got your answer on that one. So Perfect. next week. And the Beave will be in the studio on Wednesday. This will be interesting. Ugh. Hashtag make the Beave move. <laughs> <laughs> he's not the Beave. He, he's the princess of pickle loaf. Oh, yes. Sultan of slaw. Sultan of cold slaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this will be very interesting with these two guys in the same room. So this, this will be fun. <laughs> We've Wednesday. already seen this movie, though. We don't need to see this When movie. was the last they, time we saw this? I haven't seen it. Dude, this they've movie. already made three Dumb and Dumbers. They get worse as it keeps going on. <laughs> I, I, think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be very interesting on Wednesday. These two guys going back and forth, yelling at each other, and, and arguing sports. I'm actually going to have a trivia contest with both of them. I'm going to set up a trivia. I think it'll be really, really funny. I'm going to see how much, I'm gonna see how much um, Tyler knows the Giants. And the Saints, and how much the Beeve knows his Dallas Cowboys. And we'll see who knows. Oh, my. You it'll, don't want to do any of that. I think the first question really... should be name all five of Barry Sanders' offensive linemen. I, I, <laughs> I think it'll be really, really funny. I, I, I'm very anxious to see what the answers are going to be. So. Uh, we Jack- already know the answers. If this was tennis, stupidity would win in straight sets. <laughs> <laughs> well,. He does believe that uh, you know Zeke Elliott could play behind the same line as Barry Sanders. Well, he still does. I mean, I mean absolutely blasphemous. <laughs> that literally I mean, should be the first question, though. Name all five of Barry Sanders' offensive linemen. I don't I think mean, you can name I, Barry Sanders' full name. I know. I, mean, I, I know one. I mean, <laughs> what kind of pharmaceutical grade hallucinogenics is this guy doing? <laughs> I don't know, but his father said the same thing. So, so. <laughs> imagine being like, imagine being that dude's father, and just the 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 like the rush of disappointment that must flow over you every time that kid opens his mouth. It must be wild. I think it's he's going to get mad. Stop talking about my family. He's not. He, he, I don't think he's listening right now. I think he's sleeping. So. Anyways, Jeff, I think his dad's calling. disappointed. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for calling. Oh, there's Jeff. Interesting. You know, it was one of his, uh, you know, one of his classic closings. That's because he came in with, "I'm just here so I don't get fired." So he made up for it. I, I, I listen. I think Jeff, Jeff has so much knowledge in what he says. I just think he's out of his mind. He likes attacking people, but that's just Jeff. Um. That is it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler, what? live over there? Yeah, well, I, I heard Tyler's <laughs> football, so I just... What are you doing over there? Are you, are you talking to somebody? Uh, you're... No, I'm actually playing a cooking game. Uh, a cooking game? Yeah. What are you cooking? Uh, I think it's salmon and burgers. You're you're playing a cooking game? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, and I give out lemonade. How wonderful. Enjoy your game. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> you're interrupting me severely. Right now. I'm sorry to interrupt you while you're talking on a radio show. Anyways. Well, I don't know. I heard college football, and then, I don't know, I just stopped paying attention because I figured oh. nothing of it. Hold on. Jeff has returned. <laughs> Jeff? How not shocked are we that in his free time he plays games with food? <laughs> That's pretty funny. What was funny? What He's like, I'm not, I'm not surprised that the first game you're playing is something with food. That's what he said. Ooh. Jeff said that. 
Uh, I thought he hung up. He did. He, <laughs> called, he back. called back just to uh, say that. It was pretty funny, actually. Um, yeah, great show. I want to give a shout out to Doug Kide from uh, obviously Pro Football Focus for joining us earlier in the show. Uh, also, thank Mo um, Doc Hill for giving us a great back and forth banter and arguing about Steph Curry and the NBA. And uh, thank you, Eric, for annoying the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm not surprised. Anyways, uh, Jets lose. Not surprised. Uh, just craziness. Anyways, that's it for our show. We will be back. Definitely listen to the Weekend Crunch. Uh, we will be. Uh, is the Islanders playing? Yeah, I believe so. It's so we'll one, be after November six. That was one of the days. So we'll be on after the Islander game at ten thirty on iHeartRadio. If you're not here in Long Island, check out one hundred three point nine LI News Radio, and you can listen to the show. Um, or you can listen to us on 103.9 within a 70 miles here. We're going home already? Island. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. What's over? The show. Oh. You know? No. Are you enjoying your game? What game? Your food game. <laughs> oh, that? No, it was really just a past time. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll be back next week. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.